Live on cast from Northwest San Antonio, it's the Geek Culture Cast with your host Dunk, Chris, and Ed. We're going to be talking about lots of good stuff this episode. In particular, we're going to hit Spider-Man No Way Home. We're going to talk about Moon Knight. We're going to talk about Picard. We're going to talk about all sorts of good stuff. And at the end, for all my gamer geeks out there, we're going to preview Dead Zone and the new Mantic Game Firefight for all your tabletop gaming love. It's the Geek Culture Cast, coming to you hot. Well, hello, boys. Howdy, howdy. Hey. How's everybody doing this week? Fantastic. We, we had a fantastic week uh, just for our listeners because t- this week was our first week to actually be published on streaming, uh, on podcast streaming. So we've been working on, believe it or not, we've been working on this podcast for the better part of a year on and off. Um, and, and a lot of you say, well, why did it take so long? Well, because we have full-time jobs and sometimes we get lazy and just want to chill out and not do anything. Uh, besides, we have other uh, interests and hobbies that we all uh, take part in. Uh, Ed is a grave robber and uh, sells body parts on the uh, black market. Um, Chris uh, has a band. He, he plays in a band. And, of course, you all know that I uh, am a big tabletop war gamer. So, uh, with that in mind, it did take us a little bit longer than we originally intended to, to do the podcast. But, uh, like I said, this week we're on all your favorite podcast uh, streaming services, Spotify, uh, Apple uh, podcast, Prime podcast. Yeah, we got them on everything. So uh, go out and, and like and subscribe and do all the things so that we can get uh, some ad revenue money coming in uh, from from our sponsors. All right. So, boys, how's the week been? The week has been great. Yeah. Eddie? Yeah, no, it's been, it's been busy but good. Busy but good. I like it. I like it. So we're going to... S- huh? How about you? Week's been good. Busy. Work has been nuts. Um, yeah, busy. I'm glad to be doing this. I'll tell you what. I've been looking forward to this all week. Absolutely. Um, and uh, getting to talk to you boys. So, yeah, uh, this is much better than uh, sitting at my desk looking at computer screens all day. But anyway, uh, we're going to start with a which should be a pretty interesting conversation. Um and, and it's it's an interesting conversation because it's a movie that all three of us really look forward to. We like the first two um, uh, entries into this uh, film franchise, which is the, the, the new Spider-Man franchise. Uh, and so today we want to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. CeeLo, start us off. You just watched this. You just watched this last night. Give me your, your thoughts, buddy. Would you like this film? Uh, so, yes, I... I I love the film. We saw it with the family back in December when it first came out. I thought it was great. I thought it was just a pure love letter to the character of Spider-Man. Um, across the multiverse. Uh, across everything. Forget yeah. forget just the fact that we have the multiverse element of it. Mm-hmm. I thought just as mm-hmm. a whole, it's it's a it, it just was a pure love letter to the fan to the fans that have been a, a, of that hero for the last twenty years on. The various in, uh, incarnations that it's had in the movies. So let me ask you this: Do you like Spider-Man now more, or did you enjoy the comic books as well? 
Oh, I was a huge comic book fan. Spider-Man well, was one I of was too. Kid. But and I didn't collect Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Uh, I, so I, I, I got into Spider-Man uh, really with the Electric Company back in the late Oh, 70s. I so love that. Yeah. I would watch. I would sit through the Electric Company just to watch that. That's so funny. I would too. Yeah. I would too. And it was lame. Yeah. The Spider-Man segment was lame, but it was Spider-Man. But so for, that was cool. And for kids of the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. Great right at the time. Right? Absolutely. And then uh, <laughs> I, I looked forward every Saturday Boy, to watching the, the uh, Saturday uh, Spider-Man. Was it Spider-Man and his amazing friends? Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Where he had yeah. Iceman, Iceman and, and Firestorm. Firestorm, yes. I love those uh, cartoons. Yeah, so I used to watch, I, 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 you know, watch the heck out of that. Yeah. And, uh, and that got me into the comics. And uh, Okay, okay. You know, and so, yeah, I, I collected and still have to this day a lot of the uh, the, the early Todd McFarlane. Oh, I love uh, those Spider-Man. Oh, those books were so... I, uh, mine were stolen. Uh, I have a horrible comic book collecting story from the past but um uh yeah i had all of the original todd mcfarland spider-man issues mm -hmm. what what a i mean i look i love todd mcfarland's art stories are okay his stories were okay uh spawn was good but but his storytelling was kind of off but his art was so creative and so Todd McFarlane. I wish he did more of that. He well, and he was the one that really introduced the aesthetic to Spider-Man of having the large eyes to the the big yeah, island. The big that's island, right. Uh, that's right. Up until that point, they were kind of smaller. They were the more the standard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Standard Spider-Man. That's yeah. interesting. And yeah. the the idea that uh, about it. I mean, the 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 reason for it was, <laughs> was always compelling. It's like, yeah, why doesn't he have a great big huge eyes? He needs to see in that yeah, mask. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, and then uh, he, he was also um, that during that arc of, of issues that he did, and the two I forget the exact uh, the exact number that he started he, he debuted in Spider Man with, but it was in the upper two hundreds, and then culminating with Spider Man three hundred, which was actually when Venom when we meet Venom. Oh, that's for the right, first time. that's right. And that was actually a culmination of a subtle story that began back in the early eighties with Secret Wars, that's where right. the symbiote that's Peter right. Parker gets the symbiote, so. Yeah, I was a I, I was a big fan of Spider Man. Um, you know, again, growing up, and I, I've by and large, I definitely loved the Toby, the first two Toby movies. Yeah, me too, me too. Uh, the third one, I think, had its moments, and you could tell, like any fan watching that, you could definitely see where it kind of comes off the rails. I'll from tell you why I didn't like that one, and it, I agree with you hundred percent. It it comes off the rails. I didn't like what the studio did to Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi had a very clear vision of what he wanted that movie to be, and they're like, "No, you got to put this in there, and this yeah. and that, and this and that," and it's just it became too big for its own yeah. good, and that's what happens in Hollywood a I lot agree. of times. And um, yeah, so uh, when those movies went away uh, after that third one, it was like, "Oh, that's sad," but at least you got three pretty we good. Got a, movies, yeah, we got a know? we got a good closer, and yeah, it left absolutely. it on a a little bit of an open end, and apparently I was reading that they were actually trying to make a Spider-Man 4 right. with Rami, and it would have right. had the Vulture in it. That's right. And apparently they were looking at John Malkovich as the, oh, that would as great, the Vulture. Right? And that was an, I thought that would have been an interesting yeah, take, yeah. you know, because Sam Raimi was a, uh, a big fan of the uh, the golden era hero, sure. uh, villains. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the, I mean, he said his, his villains are probably just slightly less cool than Batman's. In yeah. all honesty, Spider-Man has always had really great, yeah, unique, unique Craven unique, and, yeah. and, and uh, uh, um, um, what's the Electro and uh, all those characters yeah. were. I mean, I don't, I didn't even read the books. I know the, I know yeah. the bad guys. You know what I mean? So, yep. uh, yeah, that's yeah, cool. leading into the Sinister Six and all of the yeah, 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 of course, of course, yep. yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Well, uh, I, I, I did not collect the book. 
I was a Spider-Man fan, however. And I remember as a young boy, I mean, little guy, coming home from preschool and Spider-Man, the TV show, the, that original 60s animated show that was really horrible. Spider-Man, yep. Spider- all that, uh, that would play. And I would sit there and I had a uh, little Mexican uh, uh, babysitter that would look after me after school and she would fix me a treat and I get to watch Spider-Man. That was my... I was that was high living <laughs> back, in the, back in the late seventies. <laughs> so uh, now let's go to um, uh, our, our deceased body inspector Ed. Ed, what were your feelings on Spider Man No Way Home? <clears throat> well, and and just so you guys, just so I can paint a like a word picture here, Ed has been ignoring uh, Chris and I's perfectly synchronized and lovely conversation about this film because tell us why Ed. No, I mean, a couple of things. First, I loved Spider-Man. Which which one? Oh, the, the character? Just the character? The history, the, sure. the comic, sure. the McFarlane episodes. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know, the, just everything. When yeah. I was a kid, you know, my brother and I collected comics, and, yep. you know, we, we were inspired by McFarlane's art. And oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, the... the um, the level of, of story or narrative within mm-hmm. those books and our comics. And, and, you know, it was great. And like you and Chris, you know, the electric company was something that, you know, um, initially uh, prompted me into, you know, delving into Spider-Man. Yeah. I enjoyed the, the various versions of Spider-Man from Aguirre, you know, to mm-hmm. Garfield, you know, and even to Tom Holland's. I, n- I never really saw the Garfield movies. Not for any other reason than I think I was super busy at the time when those came out and just missed him for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. Um, it, he was an okay Spider-Man. I, I loved the cast of those films. And Mc- Plenty. They were McGuire, great. I thought, was an awesome Spider-Man. He was very good. Until he kind of aged himself out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's and very good. You can good. see that age, agedness, right, within this within this episode. But I'll tell you, I think in No Way Home, it, it serves the storyline, right? Because it's a, it's the multi... And uh, just so you guys know, spoilers here, okay? Spider-Man No Way Home is out on the streaming, so go see it if you haven't seen it. But we are going to talk about spoilers. Or not. Well, yeah, so this gets to my point. Ed is not a fan. I was trying to get him to tell you that, but I'll just say it. He's not a fan of No Way Home. And we want to know, WTF, Ed, why? You know, they're, they're just, there's so, for me, there are so many plot, plot holes in this movie. Um, uh, are they real plot holes or are they BS YouTube plot holes? I haven't watched YouTube plot holes. No, I'm saying there there no, are so videos not, out there of I people. Watched, I haven't watched these YouTube videos as I've stated in previous. Well, listen, I'm about, I'm about to tell you about it. Well, then don't associate. It's it's, it's awesome. awesome what I'm about to say. I haven't freaking watched <laughs> round one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you can try to put words into my head or mouth, and it's not true. I haven't seen these freaking YouTube videos about plot holes, but I but I will tell you that. You know, I've got several issues with Spider-Man right now, and they're associated with plot Spider-Man holes. No Way Home. It, in my head, that's right, Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> and, and in my head, these are plot holes that um, I, I feel change the rest of the multiverse. Okay, that's Specifically fair. around um, the, 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 have you all seen the What If? Yes. Do you Marvel's what if? Yeah. The absolute points in real time or the reality, the the, re, the reality timeline that Strange wants to change. Yes. You know? I remember that episode. Okay. Yes. Sorcerer Supreme said, "If you you can't change an absolute point in time." Oh, that's right. Right. Yes, that's okay. correct. 
when the villains come back, yeah, Spider-Man wants to change all of them before they go into their timeline, and they're cured. Which means that all of the additional relative timelines or absolute timelines, those absolute points change. So, um, Doctor, um, um, what's his name? Octopus. Uh, yeah, Otto Octavius. Uh, Octavius yeah. doesn't die. Um, the 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 crap. I can't remember the names. I'm going through um, um, old age mind. Um, Electro. Electro. Um, we've got the. That's the, the one plot lizard, hole that that I'm the, aware of. The lizard was Electro. guy. The lizard guy. Yeah. The yeah. Lizard doesn't. Um, what's his face? The goblin. Green Goblin? He Green doesn't Goblin. die. Right. And you have right. the Sandman in there as and well. And you have the Sandman who, I mean, they all go back into their universes and they're cured. Are they? Or are they going back to die? Well, they're, well they're, Sandman well, didn't. They're supposed to go back to die. Except right. Remember, except Sandman, Sandman, Sandman didn't die. Right, right. I'm talking about the majority of these guys. They go back because they're about to die in their universes because they're bad and they're doing things that are initiating those moments on their timeline. Okay. They go back, they're no longer that, that person. But remember the uh, the spell that he cast, and this is one of the things when I, I, I just did a partial rewatch right. of it. The spell that was cast was centered around those who knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man. It, it doesn't change the fact that they're not fixed in their timeline, right? It doesn't change the fact that even if they're going back, they're, they can't make changes to what they were doing and how they were doing it. My, 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 my whole association is here that if they do go back into their timeline, they're not going to continue to do what immediately caused their, their immediate demise. Right? So that, that's one thing. The, the second thing that I have an issue with... Is Wait, w- w- on the first thing. Do we know when they were plucked out of their own timelines? They, uh, they, they talk specifically... Uh, Otto Octavius mentions... You know, There's a, a line in there where he mentions, I, I'm thrown into the river... And then I'm here, so at the end of at Spider-Man, the point of his at, death. at the spider and at the end of Spider-Man Two, that building collapses with him and that power thing that he was doing in it into the Hudson River, and I, there's a line. It's just a throwaway line in No Way Home, but it, I, it, I'm, I'm assuming it's made to think like at that moment is when he's pulled. So this is why I don't think this is a plot hole because Marvel especially has done this before, and that is what what they do is they'll make something that looks like a plot hole. And I, I get your premise, and I agree with you 100%. And I get what you're saying there, and I hadn't thought about that, so that's good stuff. And then they'll go back in, like, Multiverse of Madness and account for that somehow. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? They've done that I, with the Avengers. I just don't think they've accounted for everything. Well, uh, they, they, they might not have. You're, you could be absolutely 100% because right. the other thing, if so my, so the, the spell at the end of Spider-Man, yeah. um, the, the spell... Where everybody forgets, right? Peter Parker, right? Right. Does that happen in their universes as well? Because McGuire's married. We, well, we don't know because we don't know if the original we, 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 spell affected the know. multiverse. We, we, yeah, we really. I, I'm assuming, but I, that, I'm that assuming that, that it did because that's kind of the whole point of all this, right? Right. Is right. That, that that does Doctor Strange has been messing with the multiverse, right? And now his chickens have come home to roost. So you know, an, another curiosity is. Did Strange allow the spell to affect the multiverse so we can see if, was this an exercise for him? Can I change absolute points in time 
with my spells. Oh, now that's interesting. And yeah. recover certain people or certain things. That's certainly within his wheelhouse. He's yeah. a very he's a very ego driven yeah. individual. So yeah, I could see. Another another issue I've got is the fact that Spider Man is able to best Doctor Strange. It, in in no way can I see the ability of Spider Man to defeat somebody who has thought through millions of scenarios. You know the ability to defeat Doctor Strange. I don't think Spider Man is that tough. I don't think he's comparable to Doctor Strange. As a matter of fact, when you start to list them on the level of you know, the, the, the demigod godliness mm-hmm, scale. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is nowhere near Doctor Strange. It's funny. There was a there was a role-playing game I used to play uh, back in the 80s called Marvel Superheroes. And they had a interesting power scale. So the power scale yeah, was... Yeah, that's the power scale I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. So the power scale was <clears throat> how powerful your individual hero or character could be based on all of the Marvel buzzwords, which is really clever. So amazing was a level, uh, you know, uh, uh, uncanny was, you know, those are the, the, the levels. Uh, and that's what that reminded me of when you said that, Ed, because you're right. Spider-Man, they had this great picture in that book. I remember the, the, the manual, the, the game manual, uh, the rules very clearly had this great picture in this book of Spider-Man, um, Captain America, I think Captain America, and then Thor. No, it was Spider Man, Thor, and the Hulk. And Spider Man is tearing a uh, yellow pages apart very easily. Uh, Thor is tearing like something metal apart very easily, and of course Hulk is he's tearing a car in half very easily. And, and they they do this with the majority of the characters, right? For example. You know, Thanos or Loki yeah. or Thor or, you know, Captain Marvel. You know, the, the degrees of, and I, f- I forget what, what that ladder looks like. Right. right. But, you know, Spider-Man was not at the Doctor Strange level. No, but I don't, <clears throat> Not there weren't many Marvel superheroes at the Doctor Strange level. Which, He's the Sorcerer Supreme. Which is why. He's well, not in this, no, but, not, but. He, but he he was at one sure, point sure. the Sorcerer Supreme. Well, not in, not in this timeline yet. N- not in this one. No, he's because he's blipped. He got blipped, so he came back and right. and his buddy would had become. But, but what I'm saying is, and you just mentioned, yeah, because he's not at the same level. Yeah, it's very difficult for me to see his ability to defeat Doctor Strange. You know, in a in a one on one fight as they're going through this entire. Well, I think there's some comic book background to support that scenario. Because while Doctor Strange is very magical and, and can do lots of cool things, he's not the most athletic of the Marvel superheroes, and no, he's but, certainly but not the strongest. He, he, but his he, cape is. His cape is, for sure, I mean, yeah. There, yeah. Are a lot of, there are a lot of anecdotes that Doctor Strange has that weren't necessarily used to help him defeat... But do, do, don't you think that Doctor Strange was trying... I mean, he has an affection for Peter. He's trying not to really hurt Peter. He's just trying to, like, and you could have done contain him. hurt him and still not lose. There are so many things that he could have done. He could have opened up a portal and sent him to Antarctica if he well, wanted to. But, but I think that's my point. That I, all that's, like, a little too much. He wants to contain him. He wants to explain to him. He doesn't want to send him to Siberia. Well, I'm not saying that he's going to send him to Siberia. No, 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 I'm not either. I, I know you're not. Days I'm just upon saying. Days upon days. I'm just saying that it is Oh, you go blip him back. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that it's irrational. 
Yeah, you, you got a point there. I mean, it's not a great point, but it's a point. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Ed. <laughs> so just to let everybody know, we've been literally going back around and around and around between the three of us on No Way Home for weeks. Ed really does not care for No Way Home. And the reason I know that is because every conversation we've had, he is proudly pronounced, I hate No Way Home. I dislike <laughs> No so I, I might be able to, I, having just, uh, again, to, to get ready for this show, I went through and did a, a partial rewatch, just skimming through a lot of Awesome, because I didn't and have time to do that. What I, what I think, I, 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 I'm going to say this, and this is not to mean that I, don't, I didn't like the movie, but I, I think there was a time when you and I were taught, we were taught, the three of us were talking about this, way before the podcast launched, um, where... We love the you. We love the movie. Duncan and I love the movie. You yeah. hated it. Yeah. Having rewatched some of it, I, I can. I, I I'm gonna say I've dialed a little more to the middle, depending on what lens you want to look look at it through. I think as an MCU movie to the MCU standard, it's not the strongest MCU. Movie. I will a hundred percent agree with that because I, I, I one, one problem I had, and I, and I guess just it was completely erased by the time you know we we get to the point where we see all three of the spider Spider Men fighting all the villains, but the early part where they go visit Doctor Strange and the, the Sanctum Santorum, yep. and they make the thing of like, oh, well, somebody left the, bli- the the portal open, and now there's snow everywhere, and it's freezing. We're all in like... Oh, right, I was right. It's like, really, this is... You know, when I, when I was re-watching that scene, you know, sure, it, it, gets, it gets a little bit of a laugh, and it gets a little bit of just the dialogue moving, but... It's just one of those things, especially when you look at this is the this is the doctor who literally went one on one with the Mad Titan a few years ago, saw fourteen million whatever features yeah. and all that, and, and that's then we exactly get exactly what I'm saying. But but what I what I'm going to say is I think what the intent of the movie really was, and it was use the MCU as a leverage to tell a story that is really centered around and acting as a love letter about the the character of Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. When with you that. look at it in the context or the lens of how does it hold up against a lot of the other MCU movies, I, I don't think it really does. I don't think it's it's very good. And I, I, how, why, how about the other Spider Man movies? Why do you think that's why do you think that's the case? That it doesn't hold up? Yeah. I goofy things like again what they did with Doctor Strange. I agree with you on the part where it's like it's simple geometry that the, I'm going to use writers, to trap him in the. The in writers this. were not allowed to see the the end game or read the final script of the end game. Well, this one... And that completely affected the creation of this. They were allowed to see the end game or read the script halfway through the, the, the development of this, of this movie. So you're saying, what you're saying is they should not have been allowed to see the they entire should, script. They should have seen all of it prior to the creation of this movie. They yeah, I, I could I could see that, but again, I I think it just depends on what lens you want to look at it through. As a as a standalone MCU movie, strictly as an MCU movie, I would agree with you. Not very strong. It's better than the the second Thor movie, but it's not the strongest uh, of MCU movies. But I I for me, it's easier to say to to kind of cast that aside at least for now to look at it more as just a a big love letter to the character of Spider-Man and and they used they did that using the modern iteration of Spider-Man which is Tom Holland. Yep. And they also used it as a way to rid him of a lot of the MCU baggage, the baggage. you know, the, the sitting yeah. under Tony Stark's yeah. shadow, he's the next Tony Stark, he's the this, new Spider-Man yeah. origin story. And it's a that, good way to kind of take it back not, to that's the That's not going to end. Well, and, and look, I, at, even even in this next Doctor Strange 
you're going to see a different iteration of Tony or Tony Stark that is is being brought into this this multiverse. You see that in the in the trailers, right? You see those those uh, what do they call the clones that that yeah. Iron Man made? Yeah, walking him down the the aisle. You know that's an Iron Man reference. There is going to be an association back to this. Plus, Spider Man has the the uh, machine, the nanotech machine, right? Still in his still in his apartment. Unless I'm getting that. Wrong. That was in uh, the that was in his aunt's apartment. That was destroyed when they. I I don't think it was destroyed. I don't think that whole thing was destroyed. I think I, I, I look, and this is my this is my problem with overanalyzing a lot of these movies is we get really meta about. Oh come details. on, that's why we're here to overanalyze these stupid films. Okay, uh, we're here to talk about them and enjoy them. But overanalyzing them, over uh, getting into the meta too hard, that that never ends in a good place. It doesn't end in a good place for war games. It doesn't end in a good place for entertainment. You, they're, they're ha- okay. First off, we're talking about uh, fairy tales. I mean, they, these are. I mean, these, are, la- not, these are not fairy. They tales. are very much fairy tales. No, they're, not. they're modern fairy tales. Shut your face. Absolutely. <laughs> Shut your face. So you have to suspend disbelief a bit. Anyway, but I think you may have gotten down the rabbit hole a bit too far on this. I, I don't think so. I, I think that each and everything that I've mentioned well, is, is, a, is a valid. You know what, Ed? I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you each and everything that you mentioned is valid. I'll give you that. How, how many why, times could Zendaya why? have done the, the deed and send the, the, the people back? She had every single opportunity to do it, but she didn't. Why did Peter Parker listen to Aunt May? Why was this a continuous narrative throughout the entire? Because Aunt May was Marissa but Tomei. Does it matter? Come oh, on. let me tell you something. No, it does matter. Let's, Between let's, let's, Sally Field and let's, Marissa Tomei. Let's remove. I'm listening to Marissa Tomei, let's, Aunt May. Let's okay. That romantic okay. narrative <laughs> that you have in your head, <laughs> and get back to the fairy tale. Right. I mean, come on. You had multiple opportunities, but but Peter Parker did not listen. Again, to somebody else. That's well, his shtick. I'm sorry. He did listen to somebody else. He didn't listen to Doctor Strange. He, 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 Zendaya didn't listen to, to Peter Parker. She had the opportunity, even in the tumultuous experience that they were having, there was in no point the ability, not, no, not the ability, but the intent of her opening whatever she needed to open to send people back. I think you're missing a key point of all of this. Which to Chris's to Chris's Go give me the key point, diatribe. buddy. Give me the key point. The key point is this is a tie up of the new Spider Man's origin story. Chris said something really interesting when we saw it the first time to me as we were leaving the theater. He said, um, or did we see it together? Or no, I don't even remember. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> but but I remember you saying so I remember you saying this. He said, "Oh, w- this is the this is the end of Spider-Man's origin story for this this series." And I was like, I thought about it. I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's true. It is. He lost somebody important to him, which is a reoccurring theme in this movie, which I thought was really well done across all the Spider-Mans. All the Spider-Mans in the multiverse have lost somebody very close to them and has made a a consequential impact on them becoming Spider-Man, except for Tom Holland." Who lost Tony Stark, but it, it's not the same. It, it, it's a it's uh, it, it, it's not the same as losing your parent or, or, or the person who has 
cared for you and been closest to you the most. Tony Stark wasn't that guy. He he and and uh, Spider Man liked Tony Stark. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't a parent. He he was a a hero to look up to. He's more of a mentor, right? Not a mentor. Yeah. Good good word. Yeah, exactly. Aunt May passes away in this film. First off, that was the part I didn't like. First off, how dare Marvel kill Marissa Tomei <laughs> in a Spider Man? How dare they? Okay, that part I don't care for at all. But that's the point where he really understands with great power comes great responsibility and I think becomes Spider-Man as, as we know it, as he's become famous. And I think at the end, coming back to the origin story, this literally now takes him back. When they, we see him at the end sewing, hand sewing his costume. Yep. Yep. And nobody now at this point, yep. nobody knows. Why, who he why is. do you think that happened? Why do you think he was sewing his his suit? Well, the, the because he lost the other suit. The, uh, the iron suit was it's gone. It's gone. The the nanotech suit. Yeah. yeah, that's why he was sewing the other one. How was it gone? I don't, I don't remember that. He lost all that. He lost it in the apartment. Well, then how, what what was he fighting with? He had a suit. No, he had the he had the iron suit at the end of the yeah at he, the end he of fought the specifically thing. with the suit yeah there was, a, there was oh a I'm remembering it wrong no, there bad, was a bad. reason that he doesn't have it anymore because they I, show I, him I think it's because his suit didn't recognize him anymore and that 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 could be oh that's, actually, that's right that's right that could be a, that could be a that's a great you know and you, wouldn't that be interesting yeah, if that, that was the case a, that would be a very interesting take on it that's probably exactly what happened yeah but uh, but yeah I, I think. It, Whatever, so, the, whatever the reason was to take it back to where he's, we see him at the end leaping all, leaping over the buildings and everything in the homemade suit. And he's basically back to the core of what Spider-Man is. Nobody knows who he is. A poor you know. kid that with superpowers, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with problems. Yeah. We've stripped him down, basically back down to that. And so did everybody forget Peter Parker and Spider-Man or just Peter Parker and not Spider-Man? They didn't forget Spider-Man because I remember a line when he goes to visit Happy. May's thing and Happy's there. Right. And, you know, and he, but they don't know each other. But, you know, he does know. The they, world they doesn't know that him. Peter Parker yeah. is Spider-Man. No, no, I know. But yeah. there is, a, there is just, a Spider-Man. I just wanted a clarification. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but I think when you get into any of the, um, you get into any of the spell, this is the thing with magic, right? You get into this thing, you can kind of define, and if you don't tightly define, as we were hearing with these debates, yep. if you don't define the rules in which the spell works, then it leaves a lot of ambiguity around, and uh, there's a lot of open to interpretation things around, should this have been patched up, should this not, and in the end it's just, it's because magic, you know, because this, and there's not... So there's plot holes, and I'm hoping we see some of those things tied up in in the new Doctor in Strange in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but I, I think this is one of the things as a whole that all these franchises that em embrace mul the multiverse as a whole it it'll deliver some really cool visuals, but it, it does open the it does open to the viewer or to the audience the ability to see a lot of potential holes that if you're not thinking those through or willing to patch them up by the end of the the story this. This can lead to a lot of open yeah. It's a modern movie problem, though. People but, didn't think about meta when westerns were being. But here, but here's the thing: five, five, eight years down the road, we could be talking about Spider-Man six or seven. Well, that's and, what I was just and about to it ask. Could all come from a thread that might have started. Well, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, give us because not everybody's going to understand. Yeah, yeah, language. Yeah. What do you mean by meta? What I mean by meta? Uh, that thank you and and uh, for for the clarification question, Ed, because it, it not everybody knows about it. But meta is really. 
we're talking about all the devil in the details. This leads to that, leads to this. Um, uh, this couldn't have happened because of this. All of the the, the minute minutiae of all of the movies that affect all of the shared MCU. That's what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about meta. And it's really getting into the nuts and the bolts, the details. And the problem with meta is that we make assumptions that are not necessarily good assumptions to make. Some of them are. Some of them are, and, and you've made some really good points in our conversation so far. However, some of them are a stretch. Some of them are uh, us uh, thinking that could be a way or projecting that could be a way, but really that's never the intention of the filmmaker or the story. I, I disagree. I, I disagree because when you put art out there... And no, no, form, you can't disagree. I'm right. No, no, you're not. <laughs> no, these are perspectives. So you're right. I mean, Chris is right. No, 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 I'm kidding, I mean, of course. I, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, that art in general is something to be translated by the person experiencing the art. And it, we can make our assumptions based on... Art is. Entertainment's not. It's, entertainment is art, buddy. Uh, I, I disagree with that sometimes. It can be. Not all the time. Okay. I, 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 when we talk about cinematography, when we talk about filmmaking, maybe not documentary work, right? No, cinematography, that, that is artistic. I'm not saying that at all. So, so you don't think of fictional, a fictional plot or you don't think a science... A sci-fi or fantasy plot is art? Well, I think it can be, sure. When can't it be? When it's a drock, when it's a rehash of something that's already been out there, when it's um, uh, a story that we've heard 15,000 times put in a different wrapper. So, so what you're saying is that Spider-Man New Way Home, No Way Home is a, is a rehash of it, a retelling of something that's never been put out there? No, not at all. Not at so, all. so then you would classify this as art? Uh, it, yeah, it's artistic. I would classify it as artistic. Okay, I would classify the performances as art. Sure, yeah, sure. absolutely. But but in general, I mean, this is a narrative that hasn't been explored before, and this is some. These are actors that are, you know, creating their their own reality of these characters, characterizations. So what I'm trying to say is that because this is a not a rehash specifically of different. This is a multiverse. This is something completely new. This is something that completely Im imaginative within this framework of MCU. Mm -hmm. We have the ability as 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 humans to translate this art and and identify with the meta, you know, and how that is changing and how that is affecting. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying it's uh, it's not something that's done at all. It is done. It's done too much, is my my assertion. I think when you when you boil over the details. Uh, whether they be actual true details or not, you're missing the point. You're missing something. I don't think there was a true point from this movie, except from from the perspective of the origin story. I, I, I really don't. I, well, I, I think they I, did I, a good job with helping create the narrative of the origin, and that and that was good. I think they the way they they did that with May and whatnot. They even went back to to Garfield's, you know, um, um, Spider Man, and how he saved. MJ in this universe because I, th I thought that was stupid. By the way, I really did. Oh, I thought it was one of the, I, that was one of my favorite moments. Me too. And I I honestly liked all of the other Spider-Man stuff. I really really liked that part of the film. So I I thought I, I'm just gonna say on that that was one of my favorite scenes. Only so I, I did not like the Garfield movies, but the cast were not the problem. No, they were I, not. The, no, sto were the not. stories were just awful. But I thought that that was a great at the end of that second one when. Um, Gwen Stacy's falling through that off that down that shaft thing. 
and he hits the thing and you think, oh, it's just going to be another, you know, just another Spider-Man saves the day just in time, kiss, roll credits, we're done. And then you hear that like little thud and he, he webs her, but just a second too late where, you know, she's dead. And I, I just thought, you know, that, that really defined the character. And I think when you look at Garfield's portrayal of Spider-Man since then, he's lost who he loved. Yeah. And for that moment where he's able, that, that redemption thing, I thought was just a fantastic little, wasn't a, a big moment in the plot. It yeah. was just a subtle little thing that if you'd seen the other movie, it was a subtle little Easter egg. But just the fact that, you know, he catches her, lands, catches the, the MCU version of MJ, they land, and he's like, you okay? Yeah. And then you see him just bawling. And she has to say, are you okay? And, he's, you know, I, I just thought that was just such a little... See, and I totally missed that because I hadn't seen the Garfield yeah. movie from start to subtle, It was a subtle little... Uh, yeah, a subtle yeah, I like module, that. But it was, see, I like that. I thought that was one of my favorite moments. But now, it was see, that's you, the meta I like. You had to have seen... You had to <laughs> have seen... Let's choose our yeah. meta. Yes, let's do. Because that serves but, as a story. It's, it's a callback to the old ones. Yes, but absolutely. It's in, but in the end, it's, it's inconsequential to the overall... You know, thing. It's just a subtle little Easter egg. Let me tell you guys a story. One. Back in 2004, myself and these two gentlemen worked a third shift at a tech company. Um, and and third shift at that company was Thunderdome. It was pretty wild. We had a cast of characters up there. It was it was it was a group of knuckleheads. And and to understand, these people were people that either chose to work late at night or were forced to work late at night uh, because they, they they couldn't cut it on the first shift or whatever. But one of these gentlemen, I'm not going to mention any names, but one of these gentlemen was one of those guys who always thought he was smarter than everybody else and always had that little that little wink in his eye, and he, and he always um, – and he sat right behind me on my row. And um, Wait a minute. I sat right behind you on your row. <laughs> at one point. <laughs> But when I sat with Miguel, he was in front of me. The person behind me is who I'm talking about. G-Pop's friend. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Are you sure it was G-Pop and yeah. Mike's? That's who I'm talking about. Okay. okay. So. BD. No, no, the other one. Oh, that, okay. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, this gentleman, I remember this because um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of Black Pearl had just come out. And this guy, these two knuckleheads went to go see the movie. Uh, no, none of the rest of us had seen the movie. And he comes back with that shit-eating grin and says, did, did you see the plot hole? And he's talking about, in the Black Pearl, the plot hole that really wasn't a plot hole because they fix it in the next movie, which is exactly what I'm talking about, of the gold, taking the gold and how, did his, how, did, how, did, how was his father there and all that stuff because of the gold, because of the curse. And I just, I, I, that still sticks with me to this day because it was such a crappy way to comment on that film to people who hadn't seen it or, or, or crappy way to, because in one little crappy comment, he ruined the movie for me because now I think they have a plot hole in it <laughs> and he's too cool for school. So, for those of you that don't understand it, many of you do because you probably work at tech companies too. Tech companies are where the nerds go to be superstars. So you're already in a room full of nerds. So this guy's got to be the king of the nerds by that little wry wink and eh, did you see the plant? It just sucked. So this is what I'm talking about. It's too meta. 
He's he's making an assumption on something, and he hasn't seen all the pieces and parts to make a valid assumption. And later on in the second Pirates movie, he's proven wrong, and he looks like the D-bag I always thought he was. That's my point on Meta. Okay. Yeah, it was, hey, it was rambling. I don't care. I may cut that. I don't care. That's my point. Don't be too meta. I, I, I think it's, it's fair to say that each podcast, all of our audience is, is going to have the ability to, to listen to some great narrative <laughs> or some oratory <laughs> by, by our dear Duncan. <laughs> it's at these points when we just want to sit back and reflect, when Chris and I just look at each other and we nod as we look off into space wondering, <sighs> one, I wonder who this person was. <laughs> This was such a long time ago. And, and two, what is he saying? It was Mike. You remember Mike? Well, I won't say his last name, well, but you remember we, Mike. Uh, we, uh, I, you know, I was, when we published the first episode, yeah. I, went and told, I, you know, and I told you guys in, the cha- in our chat that... Uh, oh, I, you found know, my I rant? Was, yeah, so I found Duncan's rant you know, from episode <laughs> one. And when I was telling Teresa about it, I said, you know, if you go listen to it, I, I have no idea if she's going to listen or not, yeah. my, my wife, but if... Uh, if um, she goes, I said, when you get to about 59 minutes, I, I said, the way I visualize this is if this was Wayne, like a video, uh-huh. this would be the Wayne's World style thing where it'll zoom in on Dunk. <laughs> it goes in on his thing, and all we do is just flash Dunk's rant <laughs> underneath the thing. It's just, you know. It's about yeah, that serious. Just, I mean, honestly, it's about that that serious. Uh, my rant. I was, I was fortunate enough never to watch Pirates of the Caribbean. So. Well, yeah, because Mike had ruined it for us all. Yeah, no, of course. I don't remember that. <laughs> I kidding, think I think I saw the first one. Maybe <laughs> I, I I literally don't remember anything about them. Well, I like pirates, and I like those movies. Uh, the first two, I, I didn't. I don't think I. I have how many are there? Four, five. Okay. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they made them forever. Go Disney. Um. So yeah, we'll see what happens with Spider Man. I'm looking forward to multiverse. I'll take this in a bit lame segue back to. No, no, no. It's quick. no. We need to get back to the subject. Uh, yeah. Look, it was not a perfect movie. I'll give that to Ed. Um, On your scale, of yeah, best Spider-Man. Where does this rank? Seven, for me. Seven. But, so this isn't the first. No, this not is, at all. What's the first? How many Spider-Man movie were there? Oh, there's been eight. Uh, yeah, eight. Eight. Yeah. If you're okay. exclu- if you're excluding Civil War and the Infinity movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not including eight. the Avengers. Yeah. Right. right, just Spider-Man. Just Spider-Man. Yeah, I really like the new era Spider-Man story a lot. I think the, the first, one one? yeah, the first okay. one was yep. probably my favorite. Um, with the Tobey Maguire's being shortly second place thereafter the first Tobey Maguire. But one. you haven't watched the Garland, so you can't. Really I've watched pieces and parts of them. I think I watched enough to know that eh, this wasn't for me. I did like the Rhino. I did like the way they did the Rhino in in the Amazing Spider-Man. Um, the guy in the suit. You know what else? bothered me about this Spider-Man? Tell me. The end credits. Oh, what about the end credits? I'm trying to remember what they were. It's been, I haven't seen it since we saw it in the movie, movie theater. When Venom didn't go with them. Oh, right. The, the after credits scene. Everybody left. Yes. Every single person went back to their universe, but Venom stayed and it came into somebody else. Well, that's because Sony doesn't have rights to the, to the Disney Marvel metaverse. So I'm, they they I'm completely put, being they, silly. They used, Ed. They, they used <laughs> no no but but I'm being silly. But if you want to talk about a a, a plot hole, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Of, all, of all things, wow. um, the the fact that the so the symbiote knows Peter Parker Spider Man right from other from other universes right 
And if you watch the end credits of the the, la- the second Venom movie, they even talk about how it's uh, you know the knowledge of the symbiote. I have not seen the second Venom movie. I need to see I, I haven't seen the movie, yeah, yeah, but I've yeah. seen the end credits. Oh, okay. That's all okay. You, like, yeah, I got gotcha. you. MCU relevance. It's all you really need to see. It. Well, that's the reason why that yeah. will make those a priority because they're not yeah. really part of the MCU. But he talks about the not you know the they're not shared knowledge across. Oh, I did see this. Yes, yes, yes. Our universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's pulled in. He's pulled into the the MCU verse, and I, I get it for comedy effect. He's just he could get pat really couldn't get out of the bar but the very end I, I know why they're setting it up i know why they they set up you know when venom is pulled back when the spells sure. cast yeah undo it yeah but you're right that symbiote piece should not have stayed because it knew peter parker was spider-man right. it should have gone back with him and that was a lazy oh, way to that was right. a really lazy way to put the symbiote in the mcu yep. now see that's where meta helps you because that's bs that is a plot hole that's garbage yeah i'm with you on that one ed and and chris that's uh, that's a oh we we gotta account for this oh Venom's gonna be in the next movie you need to account and, for that and the thing that the ultimate thing is the MCU has established this cosmic scope right there is right. no that is the laziest way to introduce the symbiote into the MCU agreed in my opinion the agreed. laziest way to introduce it and, d- and d- just to shoehorn a Venom uh, Peter uh, a Venom and Tom Holland showdown yeah we don't we don't uh, you know. Uh, what made Venom, like we talked about earlier, what made Venom's debut in the comics so great is it was this long-burning thing where Peter Parker in the early 80s gets the symbiote in Secret Wars. This is real-time real, early 80s. This is our, yeah. our early, uh, real-time yeah, yeah, yeah. early 80s, yeah. yeah. He, he gets the, uh, the symbiote, and for years, it's just seen as the, quote, new Spider-Man. Right, the new think, suit. We think nothing yep. over it other yep. than it's a new suit for Spider-Man. It's the black you know? suit, that's right. And that's it, and then all of a sudden it turns, you know, the, you right around, you know, the, you know, again, a little after McFarlane took over uh, write or uh, drawing, I forgot who the writer was at that time, but that's when they basically turned this thing into let's take this symbiote and make it something more, and then they turn it into the how it's affecting his behavior, and then he goes through the the church to. Well, they also created one of the greatest, and then creates one bad of the greatest, guys like, ever. Anti-villain, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, uh, characters in yeah. comics, and you know, and to see that the MCU like would uh, would be okay with just like, yeah, we'll just leave this. Well, in. look, the the Hollywood and the movie industry has never treated the symbiote with respect or reverence that the comic books did. I, but I would think Kevin Feige, Feige, I would think that guy would, whatever, you know, I, like. I, to me, I would think that that would be something where he'd be a little more like, "Hey, shields up on this. That symbiote goes back. We have our own way to introduce it." I think in and I think it, when it's Iron Man is the only movie out so far. Yeah, he's all over that. I think when you've got fifty movies and all these timelines and all this, gar- I don't think he can keep up with it all uh, anymore. And that's know, yeah, that's very possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm, just, yeah, I, I'm that's guessing. A, I you know, I don't know. But again, I mean, it, it was lazy. There is no way to say that you know the Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, any of these other movies couldn't have introduced. <clears throat> the concept of the symbiote, and then somehow when it shows up in a Spider-Man movie, at least we're not totally well, you shocked, s- you, you know? you've you've skipped over the whole thing, which is you have your next crossover event be Secret Wars, yeah, and tell that story and get it right, and, yeah, and, and they and they threw that away, and that's the thing. Coming back to the black suit, you've got to do that right, and when you rush it in a movie, yep, I mean, I, you know, I, I again the the big allure of that was a payoff for a long burning story. And if they, uh, I, I think they're just going to rush that. I, I agree with you, and I also agree that uh, Venom <laughs> without Spider-Man is a joke to me. I agree. I mean, that, why? You know, that's the whole point. He's one of the greatest new Spider-Man bad guys. 
out there, uh, especially for the modern age. Think of all these great, oh, we were just talking about the rogues gallery for Spider-Man and how you've got all these great old characters. You've got uh, Vulture, you've got Craven, you've got Electro, you've got, um, uh, who, who, who else? Rhino. Dr. Rhino, Octopus. Dr. Octopus, all these amazing bad guys. They finally, finally get a new, something that has never been done before, isn't a rehash, create Venom. He becomes wildly popular because why not? He's a cool bad guy. And the Hollywood just decides, ah, he's, he's interchanging. We can change his story, no problem. It's just lazy. It's dumb. And the real, the real sad thing is, I think the actor who plays Tom, Tom uh, what's his Hardy. Tom Hardy. Yeah, I, I, I have no problem with. He's his, awesome. With his, He's the reason the movies are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's a shame that the way they're, you know, the way they've done that so far. I think with that character, I, I think it's I, a I, missed opportunity. I have, I've enjoyed those movies, but I think it's a missed opportunity. Uh, see, personally, I, like I said, I haven't seen the second one. Just the end credits of that. But yeah, the first one I thought was largely the really forgettable. I, I would agree with that. It was somewhat forgettable. I think I enjoyed it because of Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, that's that's uh, that's a lot on Spider-Man No Way Home. We had a lot of opinions on that one. It was definitely a divider. It was not my favorite of the of the Tom Holland, the new Spider-Mans. I'll tell you that, Ed, and and I agree with you. And I think this is something that Chris and I spoke about when we when we first saw it. Was it had pacing problems? It it was a uh, weirdly paced film. And I think that's because of the story that it was trying to tell. Um, and it was uh, emotionally all over the place for me, too. So you said this was 7 out of 8 for you. Yeah, 7, seven out of 8. What about you, Chris? It's a good question. I, I So I, I definitely enjoyed uh, the first two MCU Spider-Mans and Spider-Man 2 from the Sam Raimi version, the one with Dr. Octopus. I definitely enjoy those above this one. But this one would be 4 or 5 for me. So... If I place this at seven or eight, Duncan places this at seven. You place this at four or five. Oh, you're the one that doesn't like it that much. No, I, I like it. No, you hated it. You just said with your. Well, wait a minute. Are we talking? Are, what's our scale? Is one great? One to ten. One to ten. One Ten's great. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah. Then I then I would. I sorry. I was thinking of it in terms of numerical order of favorite Spider-Man and, movies. And that's the way I initially did it. But I mean, it, okay. Well, on a you, on a ten no, no, no. the scale. I mean, on a really on bad. a ten scale for me, it's still a it's still a good solid seven or eight. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is nitpicking aside about all the stuff, I had fun watching it. I did too. And, and the characters. The all the characters. So, so you're saying that you still you voted a seven out of ten? Yeah. Not not on the list of one through. Oh no no no! On the eight. scale of one to ten, that's how I voted. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry sorry. Okay. Yeah, I didn't mean to to confuse. Yeah, it's it's a. I like the film. It's better than average for me. But but out of the films that you like, if you were to rank, it's them, the third of my favorite. It's the third uh, of, uh, of the other two. Yeah, I really like the Mysterio one, and I really like the first one. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's probably my that, my fourth favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of the yeah. bunch. Wow, yeah. this is my seventh favorite or eighth favorite. Maybe. Oh, and, but, but I'm with Chris too. I really like the Doctor Octopus. Yeah. Spider. That was it, his Doctor Octopus was dead on, man. Yeah. No, Albert okay. Molina. He was great. All right, fair enough. We'll close out the Spider-Man conversation. That was a good one. We, we had some uh, true moments there. Um, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll regroup and, and come back for segment two. All right, moving to our TV roundup. Uh, what's the first show that we're all watching? We, we, so just to let you guys know, we've been picking shows that we all want to watch and discuss on the podcast. Um, 
and and I think this probably goes the same for you two gents as well. But I don't always like the shows that we've picked. I'm very picky with um, sci-fi. Believe it or not, I don't watch just everything that there is. Um, however, I did decide to watch Picard season two um, because we're all Star Trek fans. We all like uh, Jean Luc Jean Luc Picard, and um, I, I got to tell you, the first season of Picard was exceptional in my opinion. I really, really liked that story and really liked the storyline. Uh, I liked the crew, uh, the new crew. I liked that they had seven of nine in it. I liked all that stuff. Having said that, uh, season two is the biggest uh, diaper load I've seen on the Paramount Network up to this point. I have watched three episodes of this um, craptastic uh, adventures of Captain Picard, and it I'm not watching it anymore. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Admiral Picard. Come on in. He's... Um, Come on. Not being admirable right now. This this is a this is a this is a turd. This thing. So it's this season's really bad. <clears throat> when we uh, when we watched when we talked about this on the first episode. Yep, yep. A little bit. I don't think we kind of gotten to the point yet where you you were quite caught. I was catching up to season two. Right. So I'd I, caught up to season one at that point. I think the season. I I thought the first episode was very enjoyable. I, I, of that, season two. Of season two. It, it didn't suck. Yeah. I, I I liked seeing the stargazer. I liked that seeing. Was cool. uh, yeah, I that liked was cool. seeing Rios as the captain. Of yeah, the that was very cool too. I liked seeing them all in their uniforms. It yeah. felt for uh, those brief few minutes like classic Trek. Right. And uh, and I it really seemed like we're taking a lot of the ridiculous things like Picard being a being basically a, a, a synthetic android now, you know. Yeah. On the, from the end of season one, and they like completely just casting a lot of that kind of silliness aside, right? I didn't even remember it. That, that's yeah, how that's, that's how, how much they cast yeah. it aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then from there we've gotten into let's go back in time and let's rehash. A lot of moments from the this various. Is, this points is my biggest history. problem with this season: is it is not, nothing's original. It is a rehash of stories that we've already been told better, um, with more interesting characters, and it's, in my opinion, the biggest missed opportunity for this show. And I'm really super disappointed. Eddie, what do you, what do you think? You know, it's I, I love Star Trek. I, I've been very... It's probably our biggest Star Trek fan I've, between I've, the three of us. I've probably been the most disappointed after these last three series that have come out. Name the series. Um, so, Discovery. Yep. Um, Picard. Yep. And maybe, and this is a while back, but Enterprise. Oh, I really enjoyed Enterprise, there, especially there, the later seasons. There were, there were seasons. some things about Enterprise that I did enjoy that yeah. in the later series. Pow. Right? Yeah, and Pow was a pow, pow. But, I mean, you, especially with the latter two. Yeah. You know, the, the first season of Discovery was incredible. It, ah, really see, I thought the first season was disjointed and kind of all over the place. I, no, it was good. The, Don't get me wrong. It was the, good. The second and third seasons were completely oh yeah i guess you're right I, now that i'm thinking about it i but, guess you're right but the when first you season think was of really the good first, the yeah. first season that's what they're basing stranger worlds on strange new worlds on they're basing that from the 
perspective of the first season of Discovery. Oh. Pike and... Discovery or... or Discovery. Oh, okay. Discovery. Yeah, bummer. So they're, they're having the same Pike. They're bringing in Spock. I like the Pike. Yep. Discovery. I like Spock. Everything yep. is really good, especially yep. when you got to step back on the Enterprise. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that's that very was, cool. That, that is very cool. I'll give you that. Now, Picard, I had really high hopes. The first season left me wanting. It, it, it really In what way? I, I was I was hoping that this was going to be a, a story that was going to build on the foundation of what we saw, you know. I I, I was left nostalgic for for at, sure. at some points because you, you get reintroduced to to Riker and and Troy and there's some other characters that are involved there, but I don't think they really did a great job with with really defining a great plot, especially as. You move into season two and now season three pretty soon. Well, the first thing that now, disappointed me about season two was that it was... I haven't gotten to season two yet. You know, no, no, let, me, let me just say this. The first, the, the, one, the one thing that upset me about season two, and, and we get to it in a minute, was it didn't carry on the season one's plot lines and its story. That's I didn't like that. Okay, so I, that, that's one of the things I was going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, no, I'm cutting this because you're being bitchy. No, I'm just saying... <laughs> You're, you're, you're cutting into what I want to say, right? So you asked for my information. I'm giving you information. Give it to me, Eddie. Give it to me. But what I'm saying is that we, we didn't move forward from the 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 narrative of season one. Um, you brought in the Borg Queen, which I think was a, a, a terrible mistake. It was it was just a mistake to bring in Borg again. It, it was a disaster to see what Q did, bringing Q, John Delancey, back in into this story. Right and the the development of the characters from Guinan to Delancey to all of this this crap that we're seeing on the screen right now shows no level of, of development or creativity. I mean, they revisited Star Trek Four. Yeah. Right. And I've been waiting to see a whale come out and uh, bring right. it back and you know into the future to save humanity again. Yep. You know, they're they're visiting Battlestar Galactica. You know, yeah. in terms of yeah. you know, Gaius and Six. Now yeah. we've got, you know, Seven and the Borg Queen. I mean, come on. Yeah. You you have levels of creativity around you that's surrounding the the creation of this potentially great, you know, season that is failing miserably, all, all to get into the the um, psyche and the ethos and the pathos and the whatever thos of Picard. You know, and it's not working. It's, it, not, it's working not working at all right now. And I, I, I gotta tell you, I'm really, really happy that we didn't make this podcast just about Star Trek because we would have nothing to talk about. We, we would not have no, nothing. To I talk mean, about. It's, I'm completely disappointed. Yeah, with this yeah, season. yeah. We had so um, just to let our listeners know we we had really high hopes coming into season two. I mean, we were excited. I would even say, uh, I know Ed was, um, but but Chris and I. Uh, were excited as well. And then, you're right, Ed. The first episode was okay. I don't like that they brought John Lancey back. I thought it was a cop-out in the original series, except for the final episode. That that was done very handled very well. Yeah. All good things. Uh, but every time I saw a Q episode after the first couple of Q episodes, I thought, okay, I'm not going to watch now, this. Now, there's something that is going on with Q. 
right? There, there's something, either it's mental or maybe the continuum is kicking him out. But who cares at right, this point? Right, but, yeah. But they're building up. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, what's going they're on? They're trying, like, but yeah. You know, and, you know, that that's that in itself is. But, you know, I. I think I, I, I realized the lack of creativity in Star Trek on this last season of Discovery. Because they were building this up into something that was really cool. Yeah. You know, and I think there's some static. Or it's. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not. Uh, they, they were building the, the season into something that was really cool. Yeah. Until they brought in the, the plot of Arrival. And I'm not sure right, I'm not sure right. You've seen season, yeah, before, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the very end, when you start realizing, oh, we've got to figure out how to translate, and this is how we're going to send the right, right. Message, I'm like, oh my god, that's arrival. Yeah, all arrival. What are you doing? Right, right. And then when I see this in Picard, I'm like, okay, I've completely lost faith in the creative direction that the start. Well, I, I'm wondering what's going on in the writers' room there, yeah, because they're not. There's nothing original. Um. Okay, so it's it's fair to say that we're we're not enjoying Picard. <laughs> I you know I, I I'll tell you like I, you know when you think of Star Trek captains, they all are great. Picard is my favorite just because when I watched the Next Generation growing up, mm-hmm. um, I you know it's just it's more of a nostalgic sure you know, that this, that was my captain you know plus it was so uh, but uh, prolific. There's so it, many yeah, episodes, it, yeah, yeah. But I, I hate. That they've made me feel this way about this show and yeah, that character. I agree. I, I I'm right there with you. So so the fan base for years has been wanting Star Trek to get back to its roots. Yep. Right? Yep. And unfortunately with Picard, they're trying too hard to get back to that fan base. Right. And now we see the introduction of of these characters that are back from Star Trek Next Generation. It's, They're doing a shoddy job. They are. It's with, with, it's weak fan service. It is. Yeah. They're not doing justice to the fan base that's out there. I hope they get there with Strange New Worlds. Yeah, Strange New Worlds looks promising. It, I hope they do too. And I really like the guy that's playing Pike. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he's me good. Too. He's good. Yeah, I'm I, I'm looking forward to that. I think the only the this is bad, but you know when I, when I saw it on the screen, I I just felt like so insulted, and and I know we talked about this like offline. When you saw what on screen? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna talk about it, but the the scene where Seven and um, her girlfriend, I don't even remember the name, uh, Raf Rafi Rafi. Um, oh yeah, Rafi. They're on the bus, and then the punks playing the music, and you know, oh, direct yeah, direct takeoff. But then when it became, I, and, and it was I the was, same song. Same exact song and oh, same exact same so exact. The, the only thing that made that scene funny to me after the fact was the fact that I had to read that it literally was the same actor. Yeah. So it was same, really oh, you're only, kidding me. Yeah, the same so, actor and everything. It literally same was actor. only meant it's yeah. just literally only meant as an Easter egg. Okay, see, that's that's the Easter but, egg's gone too far. But I, I, th- it's a failed Easter egg because yeah. at, at least for me, I see it. I don't know that it's the same actor right off the bat. And you think like, oh God, they were rehashing the same the same right. scene. Like talk about a lack of originality. I have to go online and see something like a, a, a clickbait article that talked about it's the same actor that links to his Twitter and he talks. Well, about and here's the thing: many of us are are aging. We're, we're getting older, and maybe not great consumers of this stuff. But I don't. I can't see how that could possibly be. Sci-fi fans are sci-fi fans. Star Trek fans, especially, are sci-fi uh, or Star Trek fans. Um, but they're they're fan servicing. 
the wrong groups. Um, and and I, I maybe some of their thinking, and I'm not in the writer's room, I don't know, but maybe some of their thinking is, well, these new kids have never seen that before, but there's lots of stuff they haven't seen before in Star Trek. Why that? Why why do we have to do that cheesy, I, I, I'm crappy use a, I'll use a throwback? Quote, I'll use a quote from my kids that they say, that this season is just a, too much try hard. Too much try. I like uh, that. There, Too much try just, hard. Uh, it's yeah. I hate and I hate the fact that they make me feel this way about seven of nine and about Picard. And I don't. I don't. Have I don't like a mess with seven of nine. I'll give, you, I'll give you that. Or Picard. I'll give you that too. I, I yeah. just. I hate that they make me feel that way about the characters. But it's gotten to the point where you know we, we joke about it every week. But I'm I'm hate watching the show right now. And I, see, I, I refuse. I'm, I'm literally. Watching. I'm done. <laughs> I I I, I got the third. These guys made me watch the third episode. And I literally wanted to punch kittens. So it was so bad. Ed, Ed alluded to it a little bit earlier, but they're the Borg Queen, I'll yeah. save a lot of the details, but the Borg Queen and Gerardi have an interaction with a quasi-assimilation, you know, mm. where some of the nano uh-huh. stuff gets uh-huh. in her. And now, just like what, what Ed was talking about earlier with the Six and Baltar thing, we oh. have... Yeah, we have right. Gerardi walking around, literally in the middle of a ballroom or a, a, a like a party, a socialite type party, and, a, and she's in a cocktail dress and everything, with a Borg queen, full makeup and everything else, literally talking to her, and she's talking back to her, and then other people look at her, going, "What? Are you, like, who are you talking to?" It's the same thing in Battlestar Galactica with Baltar. And, right, uh, right, right. And, uh, you know, it's like except that real. that service the story and and was that, uniquely that Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah here yeah. it's here we're literally getting a rehash all the way to and, and I, I didn't have a problem with his casting, but in this last episode, two minutes into it, we see we meet who is eventually revealed to be Picard's father, mm. but it's played by the actor who played Baltar. And uh, oh come on. Really? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so when Ed, Ed, Ed I tells made me the right chat, decision, yeah. give me a break. Ed, Ed tells me to chat, like, "Hey, have you seen it yet?" You know, and I said no, and he goes, "Just wait for it." <laughs> oh, I saw Two that. Minutes later, I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> I will oh, say, like, I, I will say, it was good seeing that actor again, and I'd have no. Oh, he's a great with, actor. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, have yeah. any problem with who, no, no, no. how he was cast. Yeah. I, I would say honestly, I mean, he was in the in the scenes that he was in. He was wearing a Starfleet uniform. Mm. And I was like, man, the guy looks, I mean, yeah, he's Baltar, but it also, you know, looks, it's like, man, the guy, you know, that's, that's a good look for him in a uniform. Yeah, this yeah, dude yeah. should play something else. And right. And something Star Trek. with writers who can actually write something. <laughs> something <this>. original. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I try and watch this thinking, like, I was reading that this season was filmed right as, you know, lockdown for, for uh, COVID started. Okay. So. Nobody I, cares. I, I, yeah, I get that. I, and yeah. I'm trying, I try and like. You know, look at it with the lens of like, hey, they're working with what they could. Because remember, at the time, it was like, this is only attacking elderly folks. Right. My thought is like, well, they've got to protect. They've got to protect Patrick Stewart. Oh yeah. I'm trying to watch it through that lens too. But man, I just, I it for me, that's the whole point. If you can't come up with a good story, yeah, don't bother. Yeah. You know, I I watch this stuff to escape. I don't want to worry about all the crappy things going on in the world right now. And there's plenty. Yep. There's plenty of crap um, uh, going on. So, yeah. Uh, so, season two for, for Picard for me is a, uh, uh, it's, I'm a hate quit. You're, you're I'm a hate out. quitting it. I'll finish it because we got three or four episodes left. I'm going to finish it. No, I, and, and I'll uh, definitely talk about it with you boys. It's fine. But I will finish no. it because the way they've written these things, it, it seems like the, they're 
built on top. You know, they're all built on what came right before it. Not this one. And they've announced Not this one from the first one. Well, right, but they've announced they've already announced that we're getting a next generation reunion for season three. Well, season three's already been completed. Yeah, it's already been filmed. But they but they did let yeah. the cat out of the bag this last week that we're everybody getting the except full... Will Wheaton. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah, they left Will Wheaton out of it. They did. Now, you know, one of the, the things about this episode, this series that I really liked um, this season um, was your introduction of Guinan's Ten Forward. I thought that was pretty cool. Kind of an Easter eggy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. You know, when, when he's looking for the place on his on his you know whatever it is he's looking for, he sees the street forward. Yeah. Called forward, and the address is Ten Forward. Oh, that's cute. And there's a bar that's right there. Yeah, and that's and he, Guinan's and bar. Yeah, he yeah, walks yeah, yeah. in and yeah. he sees a very young Guinan. Right. Was, you know. Right. I, I thought that was cool, but huh. I think that's been the only cool thing about this. <laughs> that's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I think we're giving this too much power, and we should probably move on. Oh, for sure. And I was just about to say, I was just about to close the segment out by saying, going to watch season three. We'll, we'll give it another chance, of course. I mean, I'm, I, it's, it's Star Trek. It's Picard. But, yeah, I think season two is done for, for me. And, uh, and, and with that, we transition into a show I am very much enjoying, and that's Moon Knight. I thought, Disney. I thought yours was The Bachelor or something. No. <laughs> Okay. No. Sorry. Will you take this rose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Disney. Uh, coming up strong with the Moon Knight. It is really cool. It's very cool, and I'll tell you the number one reason why it's very cool. Why? They have stuck with the comic book for yeah, believe it or not. And I think this, and this is a, a, a little spoiler. So we we know that there's two personalities. Right. Right. There's uh, Stephen. Yep. And there Mark. is Mark. Yeah. Mark Spector. Yep. This latest see, this latest episode introduced yeah. us to a new personality. Right. You know, and especially when you realize that when you're like, did you do that? No. Did you do that? No, I didn't do that. You know. So this goes back to Jake Lockley. Yeah. The cab driver. Yeah. You know, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> what's going, right. What's going on here? And that whole Mark Spector Stephen. Uh, multiple personalities that's a that's a reoccurring thing in the comic book as well i, I thought steven was rich though in the comic book series and uh, well the, some of those details have been changed yeah okay. yeah some of that has been changed they have changed some of those things for the story yeah, yeah. to service the story that they're telling now um but uh no steven was though he he's the egyptologist he's the guy right. that sure that understands what mark doesn't yeah and and why ultimately in this latest episode Mark had to give him control when he didn't want to because right. Stephen's kind of a pussy. But, but uh, and it was odd because it seems like the other one can take control when he wants to. No, he can't because remember Stephen keeps control uh, and and won't let him in. Mark no, has I'm, to I'm beg talking, him. I'm talking about Jake Lockley. Oh, oh yes, yes, you know? yes. In the first season when he right. was the truck, he was like, boom, and then people are dead. Right, and right. He, and in this episode, same thing. He was, boom, both of them. Yeah, they, yeah. Almost like they can't control him. And Jake yeah, so so what Ed's talking about is that you'll, if you haven't watched it yet, and, and let's just explain because this is a key point, the, the way the story is told is there's uh, a bad situation that Stephen gets into, and uh, in, in all these characters, Stephen, Mark, uh, Jacob, Jake, Jake. They're all played by Oscar Isaac. Oh yeah, we cool. love Oscar Isaac, um, and he's done just an amazing job on this series so far. And he's playing three distinct characters so far. And when we say distinct, I mean different 
accents. One's American. One's British. It's like one I don't care for. The other one I think is badass. Yeah. And this one, the other one, the one that is like secret kind of, you're like, who the heck? Yeah, what's going on here? And he's doing a really great job yeah. separating the three. Right. So so what will happen in the story is uh, Steven will get into trouble, and then it does a jump cut, and there's a bunch of knocked out or dead people laying around him, and he's got blood on his hands, and, he doesn't, and nobody knows what's happened. He doesn't know what's happened, and it's these other identities in his psyche well, taking over. Dissociative identity disorder. DID, right, 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 right. Dissociative, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? Dissociative? Dissociative identity disorder. I, I, that was, this is the second time I've heard that. I heard this last night on a on a, 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 a video I watch on YouTube where they go over the Easter eggs of these Marvel shows. Okay, cool. Um, uh, a really good guy uh, on YouTube called, uh, uh, he does Screen Crush is his channel name anyway he he does uh wrap-ups of these sometimes he's off and he's out on a limb but s- sometimes he's got really good easter eggs that he that he uh points out in the in each of the episodes and he had mentioned the did thing and and i know what it is multiple personalities disorders what i know it as but it, it, it it's more than one person living in one body really uh, more than one psyche or more than one soul or whatever however you want to say it and that's uh the crux of of kind of the bad part of this amazing superhero. Moon Knight is an amazing badass, but he's got this baggage. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoy the e- Egyptian mythos. Oh, me too. Me too. I yeah. Think, you know, the the, the Khonshu, the... The, the Egyptian Amit, gods, yeah. You know, the, the other gods that come into it's council. very cool. That was a cool scene. I, I love how they're using these individuals as mediums. Yeah. You know these yeah. vessels, yeah. And I'm not sure if they're taking them hostage or if these other guy, these other you know channels or vessels have given themselves up righteously. I know from Mark Spector, you know it was I'm taking you because yeah. I judged you, right? You did wrong stuff, right? She was, you know, that person Amit, you know, is the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they're going to identify an individual prior to, before they do something bad. You know, yeah. As I remember in the comic books, these people were kind of selected by the different gods and were taken over. They weren't given a choice necessarily. Okay. Um, but they learned <laughs> to like deal with it. They learned to understand their place and, and what they're actually doing. And it, uh, Ed mentioned something before we actually started today, which was really, I hadn't actually thought about, which is, or one of you did, which was, um, where were these gods when all the other stuff was happening in the Marvel universe? I think that was Chris. It was Chris. Um, and we started talking about it and it's a, it's a good point. It's all of the, these Egyptian gods. However, I don't know that they mess with mortal man stuff too much. It doesn't well, seem like. I mean, like. the same thing with the Eternals. I mean, they, they explain that. We're not going to I just told you we're not going to talk about the Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, I'm but, kidding. I'm kidding. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, but, I'm with you. But, 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 in, but, in, but in all of that, I mean, they, they said they're not going to get in stuff with, involved with human stuff, and I'm going to Eternals, I'm sorry. Yeah. But this wasn't just human stuff. This was, you know, universe stuff. You know, so well, I, I think the Egyptian gods kind of have to get involved now because the humans that they are embodying using are involved. And there's this mysterious bad guy in the mix, Ethan Hawke's character, whose, whose minions are some of the nicest people on the planet, evidently. So I uh, yeah I I, I I love like in the in the end uh, I I found the show to be honest with you like I love 
the moments in it, but I found so far it's been a bit of a chore to keep up with it. Why? Why do you say that? I, you it, mentioned this before, and I, I think that's interesting. I, I feel like it's it's a very well made show. And yeah. I, I can't really add it's much Disney. more to yeah. the different personalities. Uh, the, the the different personalities and the way Oscar Isaac has portrayed them, mm-hmm. I, I I think have been great. Yeah. Uh, I just found the story. I, I think the story could be served to move a little quicker. I think it's taking too much of its time. But that being said, I'm not not hating on it for sure. I yeah. I'm just like I, I'm really hoping that the you know I've seen the first three episodes. I'm really hoping by the fourth it really picks up a lot more. Each I, episode has picked up more. It, it has. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. has. It, it has. Um, I, the jump cuts I do <laughs> actually is one thing I really enjoy about them. Yeah. Uh, that one that uh, on the third episode where he, they do the jump cut and he's got the guy uh, holding him off the side of the. Oh right, right. Scarf yeah, yeah, yeah. Scarf. The kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was uh, or over the cliff. Excuse me, but yeah, I thought that was uh, just a really cool. Well, and if you think about it, that's even more messed up because Khonshu tells Mark to take him to the cliff. Yeah. You know, I mean, yep. and, and, and you got to think Concho know, uh, knows what he's doing. You that know, he that, uh, that oversized doing. pigeon. Yeah, the oversized pigeon. Right and right. I, I thought the scene where they were, were, you know, they were reversing the sky back to that, that date yes. years ago. That was yes. really, really well done. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing Ethan Hawke's character was a, a, a Moon Knight was selected by Conchu previously. He was Conchu. He was, he was a herald. Previous, yeah. Uh, he yeah. was Conchu's previous vessel. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's kind of yeah. what it looked like at the end. So I just want to make sure and, I, and I understood he had, that. He had right. run his course, um, and now he's working with Amit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because he fell out of favor with Conchu. He, yeah. he kind of found right. out what a kind of yeah. a that's punk why Conchu when is. he when he uses the cane. Right mm-hmm. to and make the scales that that those are the that's the scale that that Amit has. So yeah. Amit punishes people um, based on what they could do, right? So the scales determine future events, right? Conchu um, um, punishes or judges people based on things that they did do already, right? So Mark Spector, because he killed so many, he was a mercenary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, his his punishment was to serve Khonshu now, um, which yeah. Th- so that's that's yeah. where Harrow comes from. Yeah, I'm enjoy. I mean, I'm enjoying it for what it is, but I've just found that, you know, of all the series of all the Marvel shows that we get, and I wish like man, I wish we could get like a solid out like an hour of each mm-hmm, episode. Mm-hmm. Here's one where they actually give that to you, and I think man, if you guys would shorten this just a little bit. Well, that's interesting because episode. I think there's I think the problem with the Moon Knight story is there's so much kind of backstory going on in yeah, that book that they had to account for that somehow. And that's and, and, and that's the multiple totally, personalities yeah. and all of it. They you kind of have to get your footing in this. And I get I get what you're saying. It it it, it has done a lot more story development than maybe uh, other Marvel movies have done. I, I'm a fan of Moon Knight, so I think that services the story and I like that. But I get I get you. I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, and, and it doesn't again, seem that way to me, but I can see how that could be. Yeah, and don't take this as again hating it. No, 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 anything. Yeah, I just, yeah. uh, you know, I, mean, I, I, I just, I just don't understand why you hate it. So <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. I, Worst thing you think. Ever. I completely agree with what you're saying, though, because I, I, even though I love the series so far, um, I have problems, and maybe because it's my age, and you know, I, I like patience these days. Um, it, it's it's taking a long a long time to develop the character, you know, the characters. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, as these three episodes only have evolved, you're starting to see not just the development of Steven, you're starting to see the development of Mark, and now you're starting to see the the development of potentially a third. Yeah. Right? And so I can see why they're doing each one because it's not just the development of one person, it's the development of three different yep. identities. 
Right, so you're seeing it takes oh, a little extra time. Oh, this is Steve. Stephen, you know, right. the, the nerd, the geek, the Egyptologist, you know, who's not really an Egyptologist, Egyptologist based on the credentials that he's got. Oh, hey, this is Mark. This is what he did. This is why Mark is Mark. And now, who's this other guy? Right, we got to figure out who the other guy. So, I it's it's a very long, yeah, you know, development of character. But I think now. You know, maybe the, maybe not the fourth because I, I think the fourth is going to start tying everything up. Yeah. But in the fifth and the sixth, we're going to start to see some really connectedness. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. So yeah. what, the one thing I will say is it's giving us something new, and I do like that. I me too. Yeah, Moon Knight is definitely an original story yeah, for we're sure. Not, we're not seeing you know even a I don't even want to say a rehash, but but we're not seeing we're not revisiting characters we met in movies. Right. Or right. Like that. We're. I'll tell you, I also like this, I, and I've always liked this about the Marvel universe as a comic book fan. Is they have always had something for everybody. Yeah. If if you like uh, a certain genre, man, they've got a book about it. They've got some kind of character that will tickle your fancy. And I, th- I feel like Moon Knight is definitely one of those characters. The Egyptology stuff is very interesting. The multiple personalities in the book was always very interesting. The gods being gods was very. I mean, all of that I really liked about Moon Knight. And I'll tell you, in the series. When Moon Knight shows up, that's the series to me. Those scenes are so good. They're so well done. The The action is so good. I really, really like that part of it. And that's on top of this great story that they're building already anyway with these great actors and actresses. So, yeah, Moon Knight's a big win for me. And, and honestly, I did not expect much because I have read the book and I know how intricate it is and I, I know what they're trying to pull off. Um, but to my to my mind, they've they've done it so far. I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's it's been good. Um, but I, I also I definitely see your point. I definitely see what you're saying, Chris. It, if you if you're not in love with that character, this could all kind of be uh, exposition. You know, yeah. uh, too much exposition, maybe. Yeah, I, I yeah, and I guess for me, it's um, you know, I, I don't want to say hurry up and get to the point. But at the same time, I do want to say, like, hey, you've been the the people who wrote this. I I feel it's just just like the beginning of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. You know what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. The, the pacing of it in the beginning, it's going to take a little off. Time. It's a, it's just going to take time to set up what. Hey, Chris, stop, stop talking about the meta. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the meta. No, that's uh, timing. That's I mean, yeah, I I, I think yeah, it's just uh, it, I, I'm confident that they're they're going to pay. They, they, they clearly know what they're doing, and it's definitely... Well, the reason why I think pay. it's going to pay off is because I got midway through Hawkeye, and uh, I kind of felt the same way as you do about Moon Knight. I thought, eh, where are we going with this? What is, what's going on? But then at the end, man, that series really paid itself yeah. off and was really, really one of my favorites. I really like Hawkeye. Uh, enough to watch it again, uh, over again. That's that's how much I care. I, I, I like the character, first off, and I think it's a character that's been tragically underwhelming in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. I think if you look at the comic book Hawkeye, he's really cool. He's a leader. He is a... um, He's more than just an archer. I love the character portrayed by the actor. And I'm I'm based on the actor's name. What's his name? uh, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. Thank you. First off, I love Jeremy Renner. He's a gr- he's a great actor, D- but his Hawkeye has a depth and a um, a darkness 
that you didn't see necessarily in the comics very easily, and I do like that. I think he's done that very well, uh, and the story's done that very well. Um, but I, I'm just I'm in high hopes that Moon Knight will be the same type of story where the last couple episodes you're like, wow, okay, cool, this is really great, and I see where all that exposition was needed and, and came in handy, you know, to the uh, on the front end of the story. So yeah, Moon Knight, good stuff. We 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 dig in Moon Knight. We're gonna continue three more episodes. Three more episodes. Three more episodes. It's a limited series. We're only gonna get one season out of it, and that's okay. I think it's what Marvel's trying to do is big movies and broken up into small pieces for their streaming platform, and I'm okay with that. That's all. That's all right by me. Um, what's what's next on the list, Ed? Halo. Halo, Daddy. <laughs> Switching over to Halo. Now, just to tell everybody a little bit of backstory here. Um, I checked with the boys as Halo was coming out. Uh, it was a surprise to me. I didn't know it was coming out. It came out on Paramount+. Plus. And um, I've played the game once or twice. I am not a fan of the game. It is not. I'm not like one of the millennials that were all about the Halo or any of that. Um, I got it, I, you know, and I, I, I understand this point in gaming history. But I didn't know that much about the story. A little bit, but not much. Then I watched the first episode with nothing. I had nothing, no preconceived notion of where this was going or how it was going to be. Um, and I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised. It was good. Uh, and the Spartans, uh, the Master Chief, he was cool. He was great. The action was good in that. I love the effects in the show. The effects are ILM. They're, they're right up there at the top with anybody else. Um, and it's telling this really cool story, a little ham-fisted in the storytelling uh, so far, but the action, I think, makes up for it. But I really like this series. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I can only So I can only go by the first episode. Since oh, you've, yeah, that's right. You've only watched the first one. Yeah, yeah. But I, I totally agree, just based on the first episode, very well-made show. Yeah. Very, it, it's very good to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where the story goes. I mm-hmm. can't say that I'm... I'm you know that it's there's just riveting TV yet, and it might get there. I, well, this is speaking through only one episode. This is a great point. But, uh, this is a great point. There's three episodes out now. Four, three, three. So, <clears throat> of course, the story builds on itself, right? But one of the key points was missing in the story up until the latest episode. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to spoil it for you. But uh, the the point of having this character involved is a uh, it, it changes things, I think. It changes things in the actual game story, uh, in the in the cinematics and stuff they've done for the games, and the in the story that they're telling there. And I think it's going to do the same for the series. So I, I I think it's one of those where it's just kind of a slow burn at the beginning. I'm hoping I'm hoping that's the case. Um, and another thing that I'm I'm th- I find interesting. Oh, and I don't know if they show this in the first episode. Did they show the human on the Covenant worlds in the first episode? No. Okay, so there's a human helping the Covenant, the bad guys. And that's an interesting character. And I don't know what that character's about either, by the way. I, I've only watched what I've watched and just seen the character, you know, appear and, and do a couple things. But you have this alien race of baddies, this collective of baddies that want to wipe out humanity, and they've got a human helping them. So I I, th- I thought that was interesting. That's an interesting character as so, well. So so she's a tie-in. She's to, a tie-in to what? To um, what's his face? Um, to the Master Chief. So 
Uh, was it the Master Chief? Yeah, Master Chief. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's Italian. Like they knew each other. Oh. I believe. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause Interesting. Because you saw when they were together in. I've uh, seen all the episodes up to this he point. Escaped. Or she didn't. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's. Oh no 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 wait 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 wait. Let me Nick? get this right. Let me get this right. Are you talking about um, Bokeem Woodbine's character? Am I am I getting that? I don't. I may not have gotten that character oh, right or that that actor right. I may I may be saying the wrong or the wrong actor. Um, I don't remember. Uh, Bokeem. We're, we're, we're no, 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 no. Who, who is the actor that I'm thinking about? Bokeem, Bokeem um, is Screen 066. Or Sorin 066. He's Sorin. Right, right. I, I'm talking about the picture when the little boy and the little girl oh, are together. I missed it. I'm not sure who that... I thought the boy was him. It is him. Okay. Yes, it is well, him as a young boy. Yes. So when Master Chief is who we're talking about. Yeah, so yeah. when the Coven comes... Covenant, yeah. Yep. Covenant comes... He escapes. Right. They capture her. And they say she needs to be alive and we need to take her back. Because they know she can make the stones light they, up. So they both are tied together somehow. Interest, I completely missed that yeah. in my watchings. Interesting. Thanks for that, Eddie. Um, okay, well, cool. I need to rewatch those. That, that's uh, good stuff. It, it, was, it was cool to see the Master Chief. Um, so he's he's been in other really cool shows before. Yeah, he's a good actor. He's yeah, been yeah, in. Yeah. Have you all seen American Gods? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was Mad Sweeney. Yes, yes. You know, and yeah. when I saw that, I was like, man, he looks familiar. Yeah, yeah. And when I looked him up, I'm like, oh my god, that's Mad Sweeney. Well, and it, I thought it was cool for them to, to take Master Chief's helmet off too. Yeah, they, they've never done that really in the games that much. <clears throat> I mean, they have, but not not as Master Chief. They don't usually do that. But uh, it's good to see a person in there, even though he's genetically modified and all that good stuff. Yeah. But um, I, I think I think there's a bit of Expanse. I'm not sure if you've seen Expanse yet. I haven't. So, well, it's, okay. We're gonna watch Expanse. I haven't seen okay. it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so th- there's a bit of that. Okay. In in this showing or in this view. Are, are, are you talking about like the evil human? No, I'm talking government. About the the um, separate. Colonists. Ah. Oh yes. Right. Yes. Who are the the miners? Yeah. The the. Components of, of out on the periphery of, right, of right. space. Yeah, gotcha, right. gotcha. So I think there's there's a little bit of that because there's an us versus them, but at the same time, it's sure. not expanse. It's it's almost like the the um, the Battlestar Galactica the cyborgs, quote, right, right, Cylons versus the humans, the humans, you know? and they're but but there's no relation. I don't think yet. Well, not we that we've seen yet, right? Until we yeah. see any combination of the of the artifacts that they, that they start using. I, I will tell you one thing that I'm really liking about Halo up to this point. It's a original new sci-fi tale. It, it has a lot of tropes from other sci-fi stuff, and that's sure. fine. But it is its own world. It is new, yeah, it is. and it, it's got a plugged-in fan base. And they're doing a really nice job with this show. I like the show for the most part. Yeah, I like the creativity. I love the action. Yeah, oh, me too. I, I me really too. Do. Yeah, that's I, what Ed and I talk about when we're talking back and forth about the show is the action. I, I don't really care for the latest character that they've introduced to the Master Chief. This is the one I'm talking about that I, I think is going to change I everything. You don't like that character? No, because it's too reminiscent of an OS model. That's currently out there. That's and it just. It, well, wait, because she's going to change. Well, I, I know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but her introduction right now. Yeah, I got you. I got is, you. Is, and yeah, there's just 
too many similarities. See, what we're trying to do is be careful because Ed and I don't want to ruin this for Chris because he hasn't caught up yet. But it, this is a key like, point. Chris, you need to well, we, yeah. go home. And well, and, and that's okay. By the next podcast, he'll watch these. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk it more in depth. I'll be all caught up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're going to get immediately what, what I'm talking about when you see this. Yeah. Because they've talked about it before. I'm not sure if they've talked about it in the first episode. No, they didn't. Not in the first episode. So, yeah. Um, so you know, on the on the other side, th- there is a little bit of this mythos slash magic that's going on with these artifacts as well, right? Right, and I think we do see like that techno in, magic in the yeah. first in the first episode. Does he get his hands in the first episode? Yes. on the artifact. Remember when he goes in the cave? Because that's why the covenant's there. But and he touches it. That's right. He touches yeah. it and so, it lights up and does so, the thing. So, so there is an association with this. Yeah, and only he can do it potentially. Maybe in addition, that other girl can. Well, she can too, evidently. Or to the other one, I'm not sure if they can. They can do it to both, right? Because they haven't found both yet. I don't oh, they haven't found both stones yet. No, 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 no. So we don't know really. Right, 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 right. right. So but she's a. She's supposed. Why to be else would she be with a covenant? They hate humans. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Sure. yeah. Um. But I, I think this is a, a great story. It's it's almost like watching all of the animated video clips from the, yes from the um, games from the game. Yeah, you remember StarCraft, mm-hmm. you know, and but Root the, Wars, and there, those. those I, I love it when Eddie says, "Do we remember StarCraft?" Just yeah. so you guys know, these three gentlemen at the mic right now, we have played more StarCraft together than I played StarCraft with any other human beings <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> Back in the day, yeah, yeah, we, I have, we have. Hardly played. We haven't played in a long time. Yeah, and the the bad thing and the weird thing about StarCraft is that it's the the engine has changed so much. Yes, it has. The tactics that we used back then, you know, it's hard to learn. Yeah, you know, and you know, you're like, oh my god, I forgot how to do this, and the tech tree is so different now, and there's so many new things. You know, we played for a little bit um, in the last last couple years or or whatever. We played it every once in a while. Yeah, and and I got to the point where we played that last time, and I did so poorly. I wanted to learn how to play better. So I started watching like the professional game oh, yeah, yeah. game people play. Yeah, that game's very different than the yeah. one we played originally. They're, the the stuff that they're doing and the meta tactics they're using are really not for me. My old yeah. mind can't handle all that all that quick action like that. <laughs> I you know, we should get back into that. What, you you I, find us the time, Ed. We barely have time to do. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> I even I even think of a podcast segment we could do. Oh, that would be that would Starcraft. be hoot. That would be that, hoot. That'd be great. We we definitely we're going to talk about that because I actually like I think that's a great idea. So that's so this like goes back to you know in those games and in Halo, yeah, in you know some of the Star Wars games. If if and I've seen a couple of the Star Wars videos that have come out based on the on the um the gameplay. Yeah incredible yes yes you know yeah. videos yeah right and this 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 halo see, series feels like it is you know a a real life version of those of those video se- sequences yeah i'd agree so. i'd agree it's it's done very very well i'm very I'm, well yeah. i'm enjoying the show and i didn't really have anything invested in that show when i started right. watching it right which is always a surprise and a nice surprise but uh, okay, so more more to come for you there, uh, Chris on on uh, Halo. We'll let you catch up and, and talk about that next episode. Last uh, thing, we're going to switch uh, segments here um, because I think we're, we've we've gone through our our entertainment roundup uh, successfully to to successful conclusion. And I just wanted to mention um, a couple of new games that um, I'm excited about uh, on the tabletop, and I wanted to talk to you guys about. 
Um, and just so everybody knows, Ed uh, is, a, is a pretty avid gamer. I, he, he will, uh, if, if we're able to find the time, sit down and, and play on the tabletop. Uh, Chris usually doesn't have much time to do that kind of stuff. And, and he, Chris is not a guy that's going to invest in a, in a whole army and spend the hours to paint something or something. And that's okay. I mean, it's, it's, my hobby is definitely that. It's a hobby. It's a whole thing. Um, but I, I, I've tried to entice these guys to at least just come over and play with my toys, with my painted miniatures and, and my rules. And there's two game systems that have just come out by one of my favorite game companies called Mantic Games. Mantic Games is a UK-based uh, game company in uh, Nottingham, England. That's where most of these war game companies are, are in, out of England are, are based. And um, Mantic is made up of a group of people that left uh, a, a the largest tabletop war gaming company in the industry, and that's Games Workshop. Um, most people, when they talk about tabletop war gaming, will, will know Warhammer 40K or Games Workshop or Warhammer Fantasy. Um, and I played those games for years uh, and, and had a lot of enjoyment, a lot of fun. I used to own a game store at one point, and we sold uh, Games Workshop stuff. But uh, the, one of the things that has happened in the industry is that Games Workshop is become very corporate and less interested in gaming and more interested in, in making money, in my opinion. And so um, I think a lot of the people that um, were working at Games Workshop for years in the 90s, um, you know, after the, the 2000s or whatever, and the, that's when I really stopped playing GW stuff because, one, they, they priced themselves out of the market. We're talking about plastic model kits with five miniatures in the kit, and it's $50. I'm not paying ten dollars for plastic. I'm, I'm, that's just not me. I'm, I'm not that guy. Um, and that's nothing against Games Workshop. They're they can make whatever games they want and price them whatever they want and and do whatever they want. That's fine. My problem and the reason why I left that type of gaming, 40k and and fantasy, was because uh, of the rules. Uh, you can always get proxies uh, for for miniatures uh, and and not have to buy. Uh, more expensive miniatures from GW, what, but what are, what are proxies? Yeah, uh, uh, alternate models that don't come from the company for the oh, game that you're okay. playing, but okay. you just use them Things in, you can in place. Three D model, exactly. Three D modeling is, has been a wonder sure. to proxy gaming. Um, and there are games that are that are model agnostic; they don't care what models you use. Uh, Mantic is one of these games. They don't. They actually don't care what models you use uh, in their games. Um, so as you, long as you, you have a use, suitable proxy. You can use a little army man. You could. You could. It's not as fun. It's not a sci-fi. Um, but uh, the, the, the reason why Mantic, I don't think, really cares is because their models are so great and they're so affordably priced. You know, I always fail to, to um, see the, the uh, what are they called, the, the, the campaign platform that they're on. That you purchase these games from, um, the oh Kickstarter, Kickstarter. Oh yeah, 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 Kickstarter. So, so Kickstarter. So, so they always present their campaign, their new games on Kickstarter. Not always, well, but but that's how they started. That's they, a, they've done a lot less of it now, actually. I've, and, yeah. and I would kick myself so hard because I would always miss it. And you always had the yes, you know, you you got them, yep, and, and you never told anybody, and you kept it to yourself. And, <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't want anybody else to have your games, and and I miss those. And you not know. at all. In fact, I was. I, I, it's <laughs> I not was that at all. I no, I know you are. I know you are. You um, if if 
if at all, I, if, if anything, I wanted other people to pick the games up so I had people to play with. The biggest problem with Mantic games in America is that um, they're not as popular. They're not sold as widely as GW games are. Um, and so um, there's not a lot of players out there yet. There are some. There are, uh, and there are, there's an amazing Kings of War, which is a Manix fantasy game. There's an amazing community of Kings of War fans. Uh, and, and that came out of a really interesting story, which is Games Workshop was losing money on their fantasy game, Warhammer Fantasy. They were losing money for years on it. And finally decided, okay, we're going to redo it. We're going to start from scratch. We're going to redo it. And we're going to make it a skirmish game, not a rank-and-file game. Now, when I say a rank-and-file game, what I mean is you have ranks, literally five miniatures ranked up and then five more ranks behind those miniatures in a block of, of troops. And that's that they old-school fighting is what you would think of it as. And that's how they move on the tabletop, and they, they're all on that base, and, and, and that's how they move. So, so Games Workshop did away with that game, much to the confusion and hate of all of the fantasy players that were still out there. And the thing about fantasy armies is you have to invest so much time to make a unit. If you guys look, and I'm pointing up to my dining room, if you look, I've got some some ranked units right up here, and it's literally a, a, a base, a, a rectangle base with at least, you know, 10 to 50 miniatures painted up and put on that base. How, how big are these miniatures? They're, well, it, it depends on the game system. On average. 25 millimeter. So, and to put it, to, to move us from the, yeah. the, that system into the metric, or to, to our system. Yeah. What, 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 how big are they in terms of inches? About an inch, inch and a half. So, there two inches a, for a big model. So, you're talking about an inch and a half on average for these models. Now, if you were to look at the details, in which Duncan puts into his craft. It is incredible. As a matter of fact, if, if you visit our Instagram site, um, you will see some of the uh, some of his miniatures in detail and, and how just spectacular they are. I, I'm, I'm blown away, uh, and, and I want to do this on my own. You know, I, I, I want to be able to, to do this kind of art, but one, I'm too lazy. And and two, I just don't have that artistic detail and and the the insight to you know be able to. So I love it when people oh. say this to me because they'll look at my miniatures and they think, "Oh my god, how did you do this? This is how could you possibly paint something so small?" <clears throat> and what I always tell people is, um, "A, <laughs> I've been doing it since 1985." And you're used to small things. I'm very used to small things especially when I had to uh, diaper Ed when he was on his sickbed uh, and, and, and clean his little bum bum. And thank that. you for that. <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh, but it's not just the small things, Doug. If you, if you look at the rest of his collection, you know he's, he's got bigger pieces, and it's not about the small things that I'm talking about. It, it is the detail that goes into the, the painting and the construction of, of what this looks like. For, for example, if you look at some of his other... Um, uh, some some of his other paintings, some of, some of some of his other characters, right? You you will see rust, you will see faded oh, sure. paint, yeah. you will see things that look like these have been in in battle, you know. It, I mean, this 
this is incredibly realistic when it comes to the painting of the of these characters, you know. So I, I you know, and and I want to do this, but you know, one, I, I don't have the time, and two, I, I I don't have the experience. I know there's tons of YouTube videos. Right. Well, now there is, yeah, now yeah, yeah. I had to learn all of this the old-fashioned way, which is uh, I've put a lot of ugly miniatures on the tabletop. I mean, over the years, I've really screwed up a lot of great miniatures uh, and, and had to learn the hard way. Now you can get on YouTube, and, and they've got these professional painters, and they, they show you all the tips and tricks, but I had to earn every bit of that knowledge the hard way uh, over the years because we there was no YouTube. There was none of that stuff. If anybody wants to see... Uh, any of my um, uh, miniatures uh, at Miniature Man Thirteen on Instagram is my uh, Instagram post, and, and you can see what Ed's talking about. Uh, I've been doing this, like I said, for for several decades now. Um, it was my um, I, I owned a, a gaming store at one point, and and so this was this has been uh, hobbying and tabletop gaming and painting miniatures. It's been a part of my life for a long time, um, and and my point, Ed, was. I don't really have the time either anymore. I, I steal time to, to do my hobby now. Um, and, and that is because, you know, look, I got, uh, I, I, I've got a partner. I've got kids. I've got, you know, my friends. I, we, we do this podcast. I work a crazy amount of time. Ed's going to school, uh, f- you know, uh, full time. Chris is going to school full time. I mean, we're all doing something. Um, but I will tell you, for me personally, um, especially dealing with PTSD because of the military and uh, because of war uh, and just my general mental health. Miniature wargaming has helped me more than I could ever say anything else has ever helped me. It is a literally a period of time, whether it be 20 minutes or it's three hours, where I am in my head painting a miniature and thinking about the things that I want to think about or not thinking about anything at all. And it's the most wonderful time. Uh, and I look, I love my family. I love spending time uh, with my friends and my partner. Uh, you know, they're great. But this is mine, kind of my thing. I have gotten good at it, and I really do enjoy it. And, and right now... We're in this renaissance of tabletop gaming because all of these new companies have sprung up because it, the gaming uh, community is getting bigger. There is a lot more people playing games. And believe it or not, COVID and the lockdowns helped all of these companies tremendously because people were trying to find stuff to do in their home. And I would say over the COVID years, these last two years, I have painted more miniatures than I've ever painted in my life. Total. In the last few years, I painted more miniatures than I painted in the rest of my life, all combined. That's how many miniatures I paint, and I'm the the results are all around my house. Like Ed said, I've got miniatures everywhere, and the the games that we're talking about, this Kings of War, I'm holding up a a, a base of of skeleton knights uh, that I have. There are 20 miniatures on this base, and um, I, I haven't looked at this in a couple months, but man, this thing looks amazing. I don't even remember making it look this good. Uh, because I'm, I'm once it was done, I moved on to the next thing. But um, you know, it's a uh, it's a lot of fun, and and, and the uh, the point of the the detail and all that's all tip that's all tricks that's all technique. It, there's nothing special about that. Now there are special painters. I'm not a special painter. I will tell you that right now. 
I'm a good painter. I can paint miniatures very well. There are these guys, though, they're amazing. And I'm talking about, like, uh, if you if you follow on Instagram, you follow these things like Jose da Vinci. This guy, uh, I think he's out of Italy or Spain. Um, uh, he, he's got to be Spanish. Speak Spanish. Uh, this guy's he, he's like um, Rembrandt with light on miniatures. You know, you and I have talked before about putting together a uh, a YouTube series on gaming. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, and, and also having competition on on painting. Oh, I would love to do that. So I, I've I've been working on on a on a project. Of course, everything takes money and time, but I've, I've been working on a project. Because one of my favorite things is reality TV where the contestants make something, where they're actually showing off their artistic talent. And uh, I was watching one of these. I was watching Ink Master, believe it or not, where they're doing tattoos. And I thought, man, this could so work on a tabletop gaming level where you have people competing for not just winning the games, but the paint jobs they're putting on their miniatures that get you know yep. subjectively reviewed by hosts, which I thought would just be a, a scream would be a blast. Maybe someday we'll, we'll we'll get that and we'll work on that. So that all brings me back to the last to the my original point was I wanted to talk about these two games from Manny Games, um, and I told you the stuff about GW just to tell you why I don't play Warhammer anymore and I don't play Warhammer Fantasy, and and it's a lot of reasons. Don't like the company. I uh, don't think that they really care for war, tabletop war gamers, and they're a self-proclaimed model company. They're not really into the gaming, but really what it comes down to is the rule set. I really really like. Um, playing rules that are fast and fun and and uh, easy to bust a game out in 90 minutes because I don't have four hours for a game anymore like I used to when I was younger. Um, and, and that's about how typically long a, a, a GW, a Warhammer 40K, would take. Um, and the rules are just so clunky and heavy and ridiculous. Dead Zone, on the other hand, uh, which is the first game I want to mention, Dead Zone, which is... Uh, they're a manic sci-fi skirmish tabletop game. So we're talking five to 15 miniatures per side on a um, small tabletop of 3D terrain. And it's, um, it's really an interesting system. Movement is simplified. You move through cubes. Um, you don't have to measure anything. Um, and they use an eight-sided dice uh, mechanic that is really epic. The reason why eight-sided dice is is cool is because six-sided dice is typically the mechanic that you would use uh, to work out. To play Monopoly. Yeah, I mean, well, to work out anything. But <laughs> GW uses six-sided dice as well. What what Manic's done with the eight-sided dice is it's, it's created a lot more variety in the armies because you have two more statistical points that you can work with. And also they've added a game mechanic called Exploding Eights. Exploding Eights is the coolest game mechanic out there. Um, and basically what that means is you make a roll for everything you do. So let's say I'm going to attack somebody, <laughs> and I roll three eight-sided eight sided dice as my base attack. If I hit on those three eight-sided dice, if I hit an eight, I get to re-roll that dice again. And I get to keep re-rolling as long as I roll eights. So what that does for the game is it allows anybody to kill anything. Let me explain. I could be a small goblin sniper, very squishy, very easy to kill, going up against a, a big, huge, monstrous creature from uh, um, you know, one of the other factions. And that goblin 
if he rolls enough eights, will be able to take down that big monster, provided he's lucky enough to keep rolling the eights, which I think is amazing. A, it's the only game mechanic like that in wargaming, tabletop wargaming that I'm aware of right now that, that offers that kind of variety in gameplay. But what it does while you're actually playing the game, and this is what what I love about tabletop wargaming, this is why I think it ties directly into what we're talking about when we talk about these movies and the action, is that it, it creates these dynamic movie moments. Because <laughs> you just lost your most expensive model to that stupid goblin that your friend's cackling about over there because he happened to roll five eights. And he did it, and, and nobody knew that it was going to happen. And I love that. I love, because what it does as a player is it says, take chances. Take the chance, because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just provides for really dynamic, fast gameplay. You can play a game of Dead Zone in, like I said, 90 minutes, and it's great. Um, it's something I'm, I'm, I want the boys to play. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it up, and, and we're going to play at some point when I get them over here. Because I think they're really going to dig it. But it, um, as far as gameplay is concerned, I have played more Dead Zone than I've played any other game in the last five years. It is just that replayable and that much fun. And uh, they've just come out with a third edition of the rules. So there's a new box set uh, with two new arms and a great value. Uh, the box set's uh, a little more than $100. Uh, and you get two full forces in that, that box. All the rules. You get terrain. Uh, to build your city out of because you fight in a city uh, or a dead zone, as they call it. And it's all uh, it's all just really, really cool. Um, and I, I don't think there's enough said about Mantic Games and sp specifically dead zone. Um, and so I wanted to put both of you on the spot and just get get a, 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 a validated yes, I will come play dead zone with you at some point, Duncan. I'll come. Oh, right on. I knew you yeah. would, Eddie. You're good. You're a good man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chris. Chris has not spoken yet. He, he'll come over and watch. We'll make. Chris him is watch. the king of non-committal. <laughs> <laughs> Chris non is non-committal commitments. Well, and and Chris is also you. You were in a band, and you you do your band stuff, and that takes a lot of your time as well, a lot of your free time. Uh, so you know, we give Chris a pass. I would. I would definitely watch it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think you would watch the first game, and you'd want to play the second game. That's how much fun it is. I yeah. I did want to tell you. So on yeah. the on the note. Of when we talked the other day about setting up this show, and you'd mentioned tabletop games. Yeah. I saw this video just randomly on Reddit. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the geeked culture and, and that kind of thing. And, and it's sure. really fun to watch subcultures that you're a part of, you know, geeked stuff for one for me. I, I love metal and, yeah. and heavy metal and watching that kind of punch through sometimes. Right. So there was this video where Henry Cavill, who's the... Uh, oh, I've seen this. This is so cool. And it's so funny. It's uh, it's on the... I had to look it up, but the Graham Norton show, which apparently is a pretty big thing in England. Uh, it's like... Yeah, it would be like... Um, uh, I love that show. I do too. It's really good. Graham but, Norton's funny. Yeah. yeah, he just starts going on about, about stuff, and Henry Cavill just totally interrupts it and sidetracks the whole thing, talking yeah. about painting Warhammer miniatures, and he goes into the thing of, like, you've got to paint it, you know, it's... Uh, and the the guy the you know the host uh, can only like say what he, he, I'm looking at this thing where he says what is it war it's World of Warcraft <laughs> like nope it's Warhammer <laughs> and then he just starts going into this whole tangent in the middle of the show well there's this great video yeah, yeah evidently and nobody knew this Harry Cavill's a big war gamer no, yeah. nobody knew um, it makes sense he's British and and th this hobby is bigger in Britain I mean it's still a geek hobby but it's still bigger in Britain than it is in America kind of. 
Um, but they did a video of him going through Warhammer World. Warhammer World, if you don't know, is this museum in Nottingham um, that Games Workshop keeps. And it's literally has, it's a museum of their miniatures. And they have every miniature GW has ever produced since, you know, the 70s when they started. And, and for those who don't know, GW started... Um, GW as I know it now is a very different company than when it started. When it started, it was just a couple of guys that that made up a a homegrown D and D miniature company. They were they were making miniatures for D and D. Um, this is the late seventies, uh, early eighties, and then they really focused on um, their own IP, which is funny to say IP because it's really just token uh, uh, fantasy set to sci-fi uh, if you look at the races and, and the different groups and characters that you can play it's all Tolkien you know science fiction so um, you know that, that it's come a long way over the years um, it, it's never been more popular than it is now um, and and so I would I would urge anybody that's interested in playing anything on the tabletop to look at mantic games and and uh, look at dead zone it's a great way to start you, you don't have to buy a bunch of miniatures. You don't have to make a, a gigantic investment in the game. And that's one thing that war gamers do is we spend a lot of money on our, our hobby. But you don't have to do that with this game. And the miniatures are awesome. They're great little miniatures. Um, and they, they're making new stuff all the time. And, and the, the best thing about the game is you have all these really cool miniatures and this great terrain and this great premise and this great backstory. Um, and it's all very playable. The rules are so good. It's all makes sense and is a, is a joy to play on the tabletop. And and that's the thing in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, I really fell out of love with actual the the gaming part of it because GW's rules had gotten so clunky. They were no fun to play. There's rules sprawl all over the place. In other words, I got to buy 20 books to even know how to play the game, and that's never good. With Manic, it's two books. It's so, a so for Manic, what is, what are the minimum maximum number of players that you need to play? Two, two, two is the minimum. Two, two is the minimum. Yeah, max. max you can play depends on the game, but you could play four, okay, six. Uh, you know, it, it scales pretty easily. Yeah, cool. yeah. You just need more stuff, you know, to play that much. But you could, yeah, absolutely, no problem. Um, but uh, I've been to several. Uh, dead zone tournaments where it's you know one person against another person, but you play four different people, uh, you know, in four different forces. Sure, and that's always fun. You know, that's a lot of fun. Um, but uh, you know, I, I guess I, I will continue to talk about these things, and, we, and we'll get into more gaming uh, type of stuff, especially as new games came out. I wanted to mention Dead Zone, and I also wanted to mention their their um, squad level. When we talk about skirmish, we're talking about a squad, right? One squad, an elite force. Um, they have a new game coming out. It's actually a second edition uh, called Firefight. And Firefight would be more like a, a platoon-type scenario. So four squads, a leader, maybe a vehicle, something like that. A little bit bigger than Dead Zone, um, but not gigantic. And it's, uh, it's, it's more tabletop. It's... But it's but the rules are very similar between the two. So if you play Dead Zone, you can easily play Firefight. It's it's cool and and um, I just want to mention because these games are coming out uh, now. Uh, Dead Zone's out. Firefight's come out this month, um, and it's uh, where I'm spending a lot of my hobby time and uh, hopefully a lot of my gaming time. Um, 
it takes a while to get these forces on the tabletop. However, I've been painting for years now and have every faction of Dead Zone painted. At, at, so anything you guys want to play, when we do play, I, I've got it for us. And that, that was my intent because the, these m- models are so inexpensive or affordable, I guess I should say. They're not inexpensive, but they are affordable that I'm able to do that. <clears throat> now, the, the Mandic game pieces, uh-huh. are these also things that you paint? Yes, absolutely. A- anything. So I have a house rule. Uh, pers- it's for me personally, but it's really a rule based around a bunch of old guys I used to play with. And that is, if you put it on the tabletop, it's got to be painted. doesn't have to be painted beautifully, but it's got to have paint on it. I got so tired of playing against gray armies. All just gray plastic armies. It's the worst. The whole point of having a tabletop, the whole point of getting into these games is you paint the dog on miniatures. That's the point. Yep. And I have one friend in particular, and this guy, he's a grown man, and he whines about painting like it beat his sister. He complains about painting. So, And I'm like, dude, go get somebody else to paint your stuff. Pay someone else to paint your stuff because you complain about it all that he can't take the fumes and this and that. If he's if he's listening, I'm sorry, buddy. I, but come on, man, get, grow up here, paint some miniatures. Um, uh, you know, let's get let's get done. And I I love playing the guy, but man, if I if he sets gray miniatures on the table, man, I just put my stuff away. I don't want to <laughs> play that. That's that's not fun to me at all. Are, are there any places in San Antonio that you go to play? Or that you have, then you so, go again? Yeah, there, there are. Um, they're not my favorite things. He, he, here's my problem with wargaming today. Um, my biggest problem with wargaming today, and you'll have to excuse me, listeners, because I grew up in a different time. I grew up in the 80s. And in the 80s, there was a man, a gentleman named Nigel Stillman. He's still around. Nigel's still around. He uh, was a Games Workshop guy. Uh, he he worked for Games Workshop and did a lot of the the articles and stuff in their their monthly magazine. And his name was uh, like I said, Nigel Stillman. Nigel was big on um, how you play the game, not playing the game, but he 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 would call it the spirit of the game. In other words, how to gentlemanly get on the tabletop and play the rules the right way, and and not be a cheese ball. Uh, and create these armies that no one can beat because they've they've min max min max is I'm going to take the minimum amount of models with the maximum amount of damage that they can do, and, and they're and and GW is really bad about this because they're they all their armies are really out of balance they they have a real balancing problem in that game uh, because it's uh, their balancing has nothing to do with their business model and their business model is um, fear of missing out you must get this game now. Because it could be gone. You don't know what we're going to do. Get it. Buy it now. Uh, the problem with that is, is that um, gamers will get these, um, you know, these collections of shame that we call them, uh, of just unpainted, undone miniatures for games that they intended to play but can't because, you know, they, they haven't done what they need to do to get it on the tabletop. So um, over the years, uh that that sentiment, that way of playing became more abusive and more uh, hateful and more um, obnoxious. It really, Americans love to make everything a sport contest, like basketball or something like that. You know, it's a lot of trash talk, a lot of nonsense 
at the gaming table. I, I, I got sick of that. I got real tired of that. And I got to a point where I had enough great friends that played that I could just play my house. I didn't have to go to the game store anymore. And I don't have to deal with that anymore. Sure. Uh, and so I've kind of fallen out of, of going to game stores to play. Um, it was a necessity when I was younger because they have all the terrain and all the goodies. And that's where your friends go to play. Now, as I've gotten older, that's not necessarily necessity. I don't have to play as much as I want to. I'd love to play you, more. You know who would be a great guest? Who? Who? You might know him. His name is Anthony. Anthony. Um, I don't want to say his last name. Oh. Uh, last name is uh, starts with an L. Okay. From Rackspace. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Huge. He is. Game player. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um, absolutely. So maybe one day we can invite him on to talk about That'd be awesome. gaming with you. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Yeah, poor Ed and Chris. They're sitting here bored because I just go on about gaming. No, no, but, I, uh, think, nothing I, think at all. Is, I think this is good stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, as I look at the clock, we're, we're way over time, and, and we've had a great conversation today, but i got to close it down here because um, everybody's got to get on with their lives. But, uh, boys, thanks for an amazing week. This was our inaugural week. We launched the podcast this week. We had our first episode come out. We did. It's um, on Anchor. We're on Spotify. We're that's on right. Apple. All of them. All the all the biggies. Uh, you can get it. I'm going to get them on more as soon as I possibly can. It's a, that's a whole ordeal. That's a whole thing I had to educate myself on this week. The goal is to launch every Thursday. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. So, so new episodes will come out on Thursday. First episode's out where you get your podcasts. Uh, look for Geeked Culture Cast. That's uh, the name of the podcast. There's a lot of geeked out there, so we put the culture cast behind it, so you know where to find us. Um, what we need now, uh, everyone, is listeners. So tell your friends. Uh, if anybody's interested in any of this stuff, any of the sci-fi talk, or you just like hearing these three uh, dudes uh, pontificate about all of our uh, entertainment musings, uh, please tell your friends. Uh, we need more, more listeners because uh, we want to continue to do this. To continue to do this, we uh, need your support. So that's how I think we'll leave it that way. Uh, thanks to Ed and Chris. These guys... Uh, we have approached this podcast as a team. Uh, I've been pr the production wing of the team. I've uh, come up with all the production stuff to, to do this. These guys have helped as well. Ed has come up with all of our social media uh, and, and keeping that up to date and, and going. And Chris is our news guy. He keeps us all in the loop on everything. Uh, this guy is a, a major contributor to what we speak about on a week-in, week-out basis. So I, I just thank you both. I appreciate you both. And I uh, can't wait to speak again on our next uh, next episode. So look out this Thursday. Good. Episode 2 is coming out. And um, on Episode 2, what do we talk about? Do we remember? Can we remember? <laughs> we, we have no idea. We well, talked about we'll some talk good about stuff. stuff. We, we, we talked, talked about good stuff. No. We talked about really great stuff. Well, did we talk about Batman? Uh, we did talk about Batman, yep. Oh, episode 2 is right. Batman. Yeah. Uh, Chris gives, gives his cold open. That's good. Uh, his little little intro. Uh, so you know a little bit more about Chris. But yeah, we had a, little, a lot of good conversations Episode 2. Episode 3 got even better, and, and you're listening to Episode 4 now. So uh, keep listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody, for listening to um, our podcast. As always, I'm Duck with Ed and Chris, and come back for more Geek Culture Cast. Mm -hmm.